Hello and welcome back to the Hypocritic Podcast. My name is Steven. Joining me today, Trent Miller, Nick Jones. We are hypocritical critics, compadres without credentials of film. We review these movies each week. We pass our favorite picks around. If you could just follow us on the Instagram at hypocritic underscore podcast, throw us a five stars in review on any platform. Uh, email hypocriticpodcast at gmail.com. Um, That's right. Am I forgetting anything, boys? Now you sum that up nicely, I think. Yeah, what great job. Think, Thank you. Okay, and this week, your boy picked it, Steven's pick, so you know it's going to be a great, phenomenal film. That's the reason yep. why half of you were That's here. Right. Mm-hmm. Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. First Adam Sandler. First, first it's Adam a hot Sandler movie. movie, huh? We're popping that chair. And and if you asked me a year ago what if our, what our first Adam Sandler movie would have been, I would have guessed probably Happy Gilmore, Billy um, Madison, Happy, Happy Gilmore, Gilmore, or Billy Madison. Um, even like Big Daddy, Mr. Deeds, Mr. I really Deeds, like yeah. a lot. There's a lot of really good movies, and um, but the reason I settled on this one is because this was some way different that Adam Sandler did. I've never seen him in this role. It was very similar to seeing Steve Carell in The Big Short seeing just a completely different vibe mm-hmm. from a comedy mm-hmm. to this dramatic role, but still being funny. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really liked about this. It was just a really cringy, uncomfortable drama. Adam Sandler is just making bad decisions the entire way through this movie. I don't think he makes one good decision yeah. in this entire yeah. movie. Yeah, you know you're that's right. Fair. I think the comparison... I think the comparison's pretty good with Steve Carell, but he does more serious movies. Adam Sandler almost never does a serious movie quite I, like I will say quite like this. The first Adam Sandler movie that I saw that made me think he could do a different movie was Click. I don't know if you guys have seen Click, but that ah, is a freaking yep, tearjerker. Yep. And I'd never yep. seen him in a serious drama where he's like crying and stuff. And um, yeah, I'm sure as an actor, you don't want to be kind of like boxed into. I'm just the slapstick comedy guy. So I'm sure it was probably a challenge for him and maybe exciting for him to like venture out, start doing more serious movies. But I think that's why this movie probably gained a lot of recognition is not only was it, it was, I don't know, not only was it like a good depiction of what it's like to be like a degenerate gambler and just kind of like following the repercussions of that, but probably people were like impressed, like, holy shit, I didn't know Adam Sandler could do a movie like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I think the movie got a lot of praise just from like how well that this was acted. Um, And I'll kind of get into it and stats and facts about some of that. This movie also got a ton of hate though. I have only ever heard hate from this movie. Mm. Yeah. I've only, and I, and I've, you do research Rotten Tomatoes has a, you do research. I don't think I've ever talked to anyone that's personally liked this movie. And I, Hmm. I didn't love it the very first time that I watched it, but it was super interesting to me, especially with the sports betting. I find that world just fascinating. I never bet on sports, but I think it's so interesting. Someone that's like die hard and bet super big money. I used to have a boss that would bet crazy amounts of money on sports games. And where was that? He would show me his, he would show me his phone. It was, I was a graphic designer for this company. Uh, Okay. Okay. And these guys were, I mean, this guy was like 26, he had a lot of money. They, the whole, all the owners had a lot of money, but he would show me his phone and he was just putting like $5,000 a game, what? like six, seven games a night. I bet like yeah. $5 a game and like, I get excited. 
Yeah, I, I have a no, hundred dollars. These guys bet. I have a hundred dollars in like a little um, DraftKings account, and from time to time, like I'll just bet on like five games, like five bucks a game. I'll I'll typically end up. Let's fucking bet on I'll this. I'll typically end up, you Let's know, like pretty even, so it just evens out. Like it's not even like I'm trying to make that much money. Like I, I think last year I profited like ten dollars on the whole season. So, but it's still it's still that rush no, of like I- when you know you have money on the game. It is a rush, so I can only imagine. Like, I get excited when I win like ten dollars on a game. I cannot imagine if I've got one point two million dollars or whatever he had right oh, yeah, yeah. on the game, you know. And that parlay stuff is super interesting. Steven, do you understand what a parlay is? Yeah, okay. yeah, I do. All, all they all have to hit. So yeah. three way, all three bets have to hit. Or, and yeah. and what's interesting is I listen to the Bob Does Sports uh, Brilliantly Dumb podcast, yeah. and they do they talk about a lot of their they do a lot of sports betting. Yeah. They love sports, and they're always and I, and like I said, I don't watch sports. I don't love sports. I I watch specific sports, but I think it is super interesting. These guys that bet on big games, and they, you know, because it's not only you betting on a game you have to know the game and the players and you have to have been watching it for years and you know you could tell adam sandler in general is just a big uh, NBA dude, the, the, the thing about it but not to get too deep into it but i do want to make this point the thing about sports betting to me that is so wild is how much vegas knows about the game outcome mm-hmm. like yeah. you could even know the weird. teams so well but steven you'll see that th- you'll see some of these lines especially in college football that the the line will be like 14 and a half points. So they're basically telling you this team is supposed to win. This team has to win by over 14 for you to win the bet. They, they call it a hook, right? Like the half point is like the hook. So I've bet on games before yeah. where I'm like, oh yeah, that team's going to win by four, you know, easily over, you know, cover. 14 and a half. Like they're going to cover the spread, right? And then the team will exactly win by 14 points. And I bet on the 14 points, but the spread was 14 and a half. And so I didn't yeah, win the so bet. Got it. You have to have that half because right. you're never going to end up on right. a half. So the fact you're going to end up at either 14 or 15. So they, they make that 14 and a half. Exactly. Because, because you, they know they know that there's a good chance that they win by 14 and then like you don't win your bet. So it's just crazy. And there's like so much strategy behind like, oh, we're going to set the line at a certain bet or a certain range. So then people start pushing money on this side of the bet and like we're going to get a lot of bids on this side. And then there's, yeah. you know, it, it's going to change the line. And like who's and healthy it, tonight. Like, I'm all for, yeah. I'm all for responsible gambling. I like to play poker. You guys have seen me play poker. And that's something that I know. I've had people try to get me into like, sports betting and stuff and i just i'm like dude i don't know it yeah i'm not gonna bet on something i don't know like you don't i don't i don't even care what you know like you're you might be wrong and i'm not gonna just bet on what you think so for me it's very um risky and even even poker i've read books on poker like i've done a lot of stu- i've studied into poker before just going to throwing some money at it you know the the yeah, whole the, basically uh, the whole movie yeah, is a about this gambling uh addiction this guy has and it's yes. significant and it ruins his life and he can't get it. And it's like, it's just like a drug. But it's not only that. Gambling's like a drug. Has, you, you tell throughout the movie there's so many problems that he's got before you even meet him. Yeah. He's already got all these problems. You're, he's already in the shitstorm. Yeah. But it's because of his yeah, addiction to gambling. I, this I whole think movie. And it's like, that's yeah. a big And that's one of the, of the super interesting things about watching this movie is like, and, and I, I, I tell you before we get into it, um, 
I I find this movie so much funnier this last time. The first time I watched the movie, I didn't really find it funny at all. And then the more I watch it, I've probably seen it five times now after watching it last night. And this time, I thought so many scenes were funny. And it was Steven, really I don't even because get like, I don't see any humor in this movie at all. I, I don't know where. Like, what do you think is funny about this movie? Let please give let's some just, examples. Let's get yeah, into let's it. Get into yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's movie. get into let's, goodness I, gracious. Th- throughout, I will bring up all my okay. Uh, topics yes, on the longest phone. intro ever. <laughs> let's get let's get into it. Back in black. Back in black. Hypocrite podcast. And we back at it. How we doing, boys? How we doing? How was your weeks? Let's shoot the shit. It's uh Wednesday night. Wednesday, October. October Wednesday night. We got Halloween. Wednesday evening is getting Halloween's cold out here. coming up. It's a little chilly today. Halloween's coming. We're gonna uh we're not actually gonna do a Halloween pick. I think we decided that, boys, right? Nick, are you going no not gonna do a Halloween pick this year? Only because yeah. we were um ill-prepared we weren't focused on it we you know we're we're on the daily grind that's right nick how was that week how's your couple week's, weeks been been? Good. week's been good week's been good played a show on saturday uh probably our biggest biggest show yet um just in terms of like the venue and like the crowd and that kind of thing i think we sold like four to five hundred tickets for the show um and oh, it wow. was a, Hell yeah. that's a big show like an awesome awesome show awesome venue Went really well, so I was excited about that. Um, yeah, hey, tell, little... those, tell those Denver fans about the band. What's the name? Where can they find you guys? Trucetto. I guess I can give a little subtle plug here. Yeah, the band's called Trucetto. It's T-R-U-S-E-T-T-O. Based out of Denver, Colorado. Um, yeah, we're like an eight-piece funk, rock, jazzy. I don't even know what you want to call it. Where can we find band, you? But we just added our... You can find us on Spotify. They, they okay, 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 there we go. Spotify, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we've got a little. What about YouTube the people that want to go to those live shows? They want to go shows. to live shows. They they probably need to be here in Colorado, but uh, you never know. I mean, if things start okay taking off, maybe we'll go on a tour or something. But yeah, just Colorado right now. Um, but yeah, other than that, just been golfing. I've got my first golf round with my boss coming up on Sunday, so definitely wanna. Hmm sharpen the sword so to speak the sword that round. how but um is he is he pretty good or she so it's actually a she and apparently she's not very good i think i've talked about this before mm. she doesn't even keep track of her score she only keeps track oh, of how well, many good fine, shots then. she has around so it'll be fine but the course that we're playing at is the same one i shot like a 105 at with rachel's dad the other week it's the same one i get lessons at and it's not an easy course so i actually propose just doing a 2v2 scramble with um because yeah. it's going to be my boss another like female client who's about her skill level and then my buddy jeff who's about my level so i think we should just split up me and jeff and then put one of the girls on our team and just do like a 2v2 and that'll be way more fun because i just did a scramble with my dad um on sunday and it's so much fun and it's like so much (laughs) less pressure you don't like because i don't know about you guys but when you're when you're so concerned about shooting a certain score and then you have one or two holes that completely fuck up your score, it can almost like put you in a bad headspace. And when you're not worried about that and you're like, I'm just out here having fun, just shooting some good shots. I don't care what my score is. But there's also like a teamwork element of it. Like it's just it can be so much more fun. Like I wouldn't do scrambles all the time because I do kind of care about like how much I'm progressing. But my my dad and I were like, let's let's shoot for par, like 
let's see how close we can get to par. And there was a point there where we were like one, two over. Then we got a couple birdies. Then we were back to even. And he was like, holy shit, I think we can actually shoot par. And me and my, my dad were uh, playing a scramble and we were like just trying to see how close we could get to shooting par. And it, it, it just makes it fun because you're like, I don't know, you're not used to being that good <laughs> and your score being that close to even par um that there's just a there's just a fun like teamwork element of it it's it's more of like a team sport at that game and less of like an individual let me see how well I can do by myself but anyways yeah so I'm playing with my boss on Sunday and um it'll be fun but uh yeah I I part of me wants to play pretty well but at the same time I think it's just going to be like party golf because my boss loves loves to like drink and Mm -hmm. uh probably bring like a cigar and stuff but what what have you guys been up to um, I, I actually have a funny story that happened recently. I was on my, sure. I was playing a course with a coworker and we saw the CEO of our company just randomly. He was on the course. He was driving the other way. He was like, your ball's back there. And we were like, we looked at each other and we didn't say anything to him. Cause he, by that point he was already way past us. Cause he just like quickly said that. And then we realized that it was the freaking CEO. But uh, that's kind of it. That's so funny. Hopefully, anecdote. hopefully you weren't on, on company time <laughs> there. Was this like after hours? No, this was on the weekend. Um, but I actually, <laughs> like I, I saw Trent from accounting, like fucking I was playing dicking around at 12 well PM on like, this course. <laughs> Trent from accounting almost hit me. And it's a big company. It's like a whole nine. Oh yeah. I was playing well though. I ended up, um, I told you guys, I think that I got a nice birdie on one of them. And I think the par there's one par five that screwed me. But other than that, I think I was on track for the, you know, the under the hundred, with at least nine. So that's all you, you know, for Did you me, track that's your nine good. score. No, because we were just kind of chill. We were just kind of, um, Hey, listen, guys, it wasn't a serious game. It was, you guys was, like it was to... more of like, oh, let's okay. catch up. It's more about like chatting yeah. less about, you know, and sometimes it's more fun when you don't even keep track of your score. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. You play more loose and carefree. That's probably why. But, uh, what were you saying, Steven? I think especially in the beginning, it's you don't want to keep track of your score. You just want to get good at getting as consistent as possible, and then you start keep track. And, and right now, like last weekend, I shot a 102 mm-hmm. at Callahan. I told you guys about it. Had two monster 35-plus foot putts that I've never had, and I had randomly two in one game, like serious monsters. Preston had a huge monster uh-huh. putt on hole nice. one for par. And we were like, holy shit, that's the putt of the day. Like, no one's no one's beating that putt. And, of course, I had one huge putt that was longer than his. Man, and I, I am uh, the jealous. The second one that I had was just crazy. Those um, are so and, fun. And those are the hits yeah, that you I'm jealous going of the back. Times you get to go like out with Preston. Yeah. I wish I was out there and with then it's like, I bet it's so fun. Oh, dude, me too. Not not to, like, belabor the point on golf, but, um, yeah, I, I sunk like a – it was probably like a 20-footer last night too. And I was telling my buddy, it's like – no one ever wants to practice putting. Like I'll, I'll warm up and play like hit a couple putts before my round, but I'm not going to go to the range and specifically spend an hour on putting. But when you do hit a good putt, it is almost be- a better feeling than like sticking the green from like 150 out or something like that. Like that feeling of hitting a good putt is so fun. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's not like I'm ever going to keep practicing well, it, but the, what's interesting is the majority the majority mm, of right. your swings are putter hits. The majority is, and it, I think in a perfect world you're going to be hitting like 36, 
around 36 strokes on the putter. And then, you know, 12 to 14 yeah. probably drivers. <laughs> I did all the math, but I, I do like going to the drain, the range before I do like doing a full practice session. And this last session, I, I was, I had never spent this much time putting, but like I told you guys, I got there like an hour and a half early and I was there so early and I was only going to get a small bucket of balls that I was like the, I just need to chip and putt for like a long time until like the last 45 minutes or 30 minutes and I can go to the range and get my swing down. And then I still went mm -hmm. back to the putting green after that. And I, I attributed to that extra putting all that extra mm -hmm. putting that I practiced and just getting my distance down. And I think that is super, super helpful to, to get that down. And I feel like the greens on every course are always changing. And that practice putting green can kind of give you an idea of like, it yeah. is a lot of moisture in the putt, but uh, I guess we can uh, continue on. You guys want to hop into stats and facts? No, no, you guys want to talk no, about more about the weeks? Go for it. Welcome back to Stats and Facts. This week, Stats and Facts about Uncut Gems, December 25th, 2019. 2019. Boys, that's Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. Which was three years ago. I'm sure a lot of people were stressed out after watching this movie on Christmas Day. I remember when I first watched it, I was like um, pretty into it. There was a lot of hype on it uh, when it came out because it was so different. And it was on Netflix. You, it came uh, straight to Netflix. Already seen, had, you guys already, had you guys already seen it? Yeah. It's yeah. my second time I'd seeing seen it. it. Nick, yeah, second, second time, time seeing it, yeah. You saw – and did you guys enjoy it the first time? I, I actually um, did. did um, <laughs> yeah, Nick, I know Nick didn't. And I would agree with you, Stephen, that I know, most people uh, – Yeah, I guess I shouldn't ask Nick. Nick that, or Stephen, that most people didn't like it. I kind of agree with your sentiment there. And I, But I didn't think it was as bad as most people. And then I also, like more recently, kind of appreciate it more. A little so bit more. I've – I've heard um, the opposite. I've heard the opposite. Everyone that I've, everyone that I know of seen this movie loves this movie. And I was totally, mm. I was totally in the min minority because I wanted to watch it because I had heard such good things about it. And um, yeah, the, I think Rachel and I watched it either like during the pandemic or like a year or so ago. You know what this movie is for me? I, it's like, it's like that weird smell you smell and you're like, what? You, you, you know you shouldn't smell if you're like still smell like you want to keep watching smell, you just you want know? to keep watching you you don't it's it's all it's like that like yeah it's um i remember the first time i watched it i didn't think i was going to watch it again after it because um, i was still really really fascinated with the sports betting and everything but it was just one of those movies that i was like you know it was good to watch once but i'm probably not going to turn it back on and then weirdly i found myself just turning it back on and watching it and like and now I watch it and it's so funny for me. And I'll, and I'll go into, I guess, a little bit before we get to into stats and facts about why I think this movie is so funny. But it's because um, the part that cracks me up the most about Howard is the fact that he doesn't care about who he's in front of when he's ha when he's getting his temper and when he's arguing with people. He doesn't care about who's around or who's hearing it. Can you like that? Um, he just like... I just think it's hilarious. Um, a big, for instance, like the the when the the scene when the doctor calls him and he's fighting with Damani, he's like, "Where the fuck are my watches, man?" He's like, "I fucking loaned them." What the fuck? He's like, "Those papers." He's like, his doctor is on the phone okay. in the background. He's like, "Doctor, how you doing? How you doing, doctor?" He's like, "Everything okay?" He's like, "Where the fuck are my watches?" Like, get the fuck out! Shut the fuck up, doctor. Yeah, uh, uh, you get the results, then, doctor. 
Yes, we, uh, yes, um, okay, yes. He's like hearing this shit. And then you see him pour the shit in the fish tank, and then the doctor's still on the phone. He's like, oh my god, get the fish out of the tank. He's like over there, and you hear the doctor in the background. He's like, uh, I'm hanging, I'm hanging up now, Howard. <laughs> he's just like, he he's in these and like even the scene when he goes in um to the auction and the and he finds out that it's undervalued. Yeah, that's a good scene. I like that scene a lot. And he's and the when the woman he's like, he's like, no, this is like under fuck. This is undervalued. Like we need to get her on the phone. Get her on the phone. He's so uncomfortable around people and he makes people Dude, feel yeah, so yeah. uncomfortable. So. And we'll get into it, but that's why I love the scene when Kevin Garnett just comes in at the very end when he's about to buy it. He's like, dude, man, you've been giving me the fucking runaround all fucking day. Like, he's the one person that just sits him down. And they're all, everyone's calling him out the whole movie. Mm -hmm. But he really sits down and calls him out. He's like, dude, you're like, you're shady as shit. Like, you don't think I was going to not notice that you're doing all this shady shit? Like, I noticed. Yeah. I'm not stupid, you know? And like, he, it's almost like he doesn't think people are going to notice. So but, a um, couple. Let me get into some of this. Uh, a couple quick. quick points on that. Go ahead. Um, just two things that came to mind. One, I, I sat down uh, to start this movie with a nice meal in hand and just get a beautiful look at a, a nice colon <laughs> right when I start this movie. And I'm sitting there like eating my food and I'm like, it's probably over now and I can look I can look back at the screen and I look back and I'm like, God, they're just really showing showing some detail in this man's ass. And it just lasted a really long time. And I oh, I thought you were talking at, about the bone. The no, bone the scene where they're like, he's getting a colonoscopy or something. And like, yeah, they yeah, just, yeah, 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 it yeah. was like a, a two minute long, like video of his asshole. No, Trent. No, I know what you're talking he's about. Referring, he's referring. I know what he's referring. He's referring to the opening scene. Yes. And just so the viewers know, it goes into the opal. And I honestly think this is one of the most brilliant opening scenes I've ever seen. Not because of the asshole, his asshole, but because because it was. It, I love that zoom in that they go back to when you're looking into the opal. That zoom in scene and that, and that soundtrack, that combination of the and that zoom in opal scene and the soundtrack that it goes on during that scene. I absolutely love that soundtrack. I find myself loving that uh, score the more and more I watch it. And also, you'll notice it's also the exit screen. It goes into Howard's blood, and I think it turns into the opal and all this kind of stuff, and the same same song. So I love that the movie starts and ends with that. That is like, cool. Op deep in, zooming in, zooming into the opal scene. I I think that was just brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I agree. and I love that that whatever that score that is going on during that is just so I I can just hear it right now. It's just so so beautiful. so Stephen, you, you've said before you, you don't like uh, me holding on to my opinions until too late in the movie. So I've I've just I want to get this off my chest early, <laughs> early oh here. God. Oh God! All right, all right. Before before I do this though, I do I do want to preface. I used to work in this industry, so a lot of a lot of the stuff about the Rolex, the box and papers, all that stuff that's right up my alley. I understand all of all of oh, the pre-owned. I totally forgot. We're gonna have. I to understand ask all like the pre-owned like jewelry, less jewelry, more watches, like that whole industry. So that part of it, like it's gonna get a half star, probably higher for some of that stuff. But I dealt with so many assholes like this who are like. Hey, fuck you! This is the price. What are you saying? It's not worth this. I could get a you know five grand more yeah. for selling. And, I'm, and I, there's so many times where I had to, you know, I'm this like 22 year old kid out of college, and I'm having to like have these like tense conversations with these old like Adam Sandler jewelers. And there's so many times where I just be like, "All right, bro, if like that's how much you can get for it, like go fucking sell it to somebody else. Like this is what I can offer." Like so, there's a lot of that. But yeah. um, all right, so. 
thing I struggle with with this movie right off the bat. So we find this magical crystal in this in this what uh, African village that has this magical. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ethiopia, Ethiopian, Ethiopia. E- okay. Ethi- First of all, Ethiopian Jewish tribes, and I forget exactly where it's at. I should. So, look so I need to. I need look to ask you this: Nick, is, Nick is there? On. It's a black opal. It's not a crystal, Nick. First I know. Of very, all, very disrespectful opal, of okay. me. Big diff. All right, is this suspension of disbelief for you guys that Kevin Garnett is going to walk into this jewelry store already dealing with this (laughs) asshole that, like, already reeks of sliminess, and he's just like, hey, man, um, yeah, I found this new new opal, and this... It's actually these African Jews. Look at look at it, man. Like they don't have anything. They don't have clothes. They don't have anything. I found this rare right, opal so I, I will say, that I has agree. magical powers. Suspension. That that, that you're just, suspension of disbelief. So right? he looks at it and he he like looks inside but, of it and he's but, just like, oh my god, I fucking want this thing right away. Give it to me. And then it becomes this thing about no, like I could believe that. It, it, I could it believe becomes that. okay. But is it gonna make you play better with basketball? It becomes this like like Mike. Space Jam thing that's like I've no, got no, no, this okay. magic rock there are that is gonna make me play better basketball by looking into it They're and I can see the universe. Those those ball players are superstitious. No, Nick, I no, I agree no faults with you. Of that. I agree you with guys, you, but um, you saw you you saw Kevin Garnett. Uh, he's he's looking into the opal, and I do I do believe it could be possible that this would happen. Not necessarily that Kevin Garnett would be that would he would want to buy it because he thinks he's going to play better, uh, play better basketball. But I could see any, any, uh, high end celebrity that has a bunch of money going in and be being fascinated by what it is and wanting to buy it for what it is. Because what he told him offering 175,000 based on what he was telling him, it, it, he, he thought it was a million dollars. Well, why, why are you so, going to buy and, and based on what he's saying? Uh, you're, 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 I mean, you're going to, you know, but you're gonna take you're gonna More take the, this guy's money. word for it on this this rare like gem that has never been founded before. If I was an athlete with millions of dollars, I'd be like, dude, this guy di- this guy is totally full of shit. How am I supposed to how am I supposed I, to I, trust I agree, him? Listen, you got you got you got to look at this. You you've seen the movie, so you see that he's scummy. Kevin Garnett has never one. He's never met this guy before. He's met Damani, which is the the connection in the city. Mm-hmm. For bringing high-end celebrities to this jewelry store, and you see like rappers nowadays. I mean, I've seen a lot of rappers nowadays going to the jewelry stores, and they'll spend a ton of money on jewelry. And I'm sure NBA stars do the same exact thing, going and spending a big money on jewelry. So I don't think it's out of the question that he would come in with a bunch of money and offering under 200 grand for this. That doesn't, that doesn't surprise, surprise me. me. But, I've seen but for rappers being go and an- spend crazy amounts of money on jewelry and stuff at. At one I can scene. understand it for like a so, watch or something I, or like a diamond, but like some magic magic rock with healing properties and it'll like make you see the universe. Like to me, it sounds like fantasy. Like it reminds me, Stephen, this oh, reminds but, me of Bright. This is the, a superhero opal, movie. This is a superhero movie. This object, this <laughs> soup, this is this is what movies are a magic rock that gives these healing properties and powers it's this is bright this is bright a magic a magic elder wand this magic wand that they're running around the city for this is steven's movie steven loves superhero movies that's just the point i want to make (laughs) no no nick nick i i first of all the movie is not about a, a magic rock 
Kevin Garnett just is inspired by The Rock. The, the Rock doesn't give him any superpowers. It doesn't happen. He just happened to be playing good because he felt really good. It's that he an had opal. The rock. And he How happened to be playing bad because he didn't opal. have The Rock. That maybe that maybe the, or the, the opal whatever. It, it wasn't a magic rock, but what Kevin Garnett was inspired by The Rock, and you see that scene when he's bringing it out and. Yeah. And, I agree and with Howard Steven is on this genuinely one. just excited. Howard is literally so excited. You see how excited he gets when that gets to it. this thing was shipped in a fish. It came in a fish. He oh, he smuggled this thing in. This wasn't. <laughs> this didn't just come UPS. He smuggled this in through a company. He said he spent a lot he, over. I think it was over a year trying to get it, and. So you see, when when he gets there, he is he is so excited. He's never been more excited. When he's showing that to Kevin Garnett, he it's he he's genuine. He's not trying to sell him it. He's literally so enthused by that rock. He just wants to brag about it and show him what he's got. And Kevin Garnett is so inspired when he looks through his loop and looks at all the beautiful colors. He's so inspired. He's saying Ethiopian Jews from Africa. He's probably like, oh my God, like, you know, this is, this is crazy. Like he said, that's the world in there. That's history in there. <laughs> and you see is selling, when zooming, Steve, when I think Steve is selling this rock. I'm This scene is really important <laughs> to the movie. I noticed this scene was really important to the movie because just this last time watching it like i said which is probably my fifth time watching it really studying it but it is really important to the movie because kevin it's kind of like a red it's kind of like a uh red it drives yeah, the yeah, plot MacGuffin. Forward the, you know the entire movie all, all it, i'm yeah, saying but you know what it is, is it's they, like a MacGuffin. they make you know it seem it like or, it has magic powers hair. because at one point he looks in the rock and he sees like his whole childhood there's like all these flashbacks that he has yeah yeah no, and that's what I'm saying. That scene, that scene is him getting super inspired by what it is. He said, that's history right there. You know, there's a ton of carrots of diamonds in there, and they're all worth a bunch of money. And he's looking through this viewfinder, and, you know, this uh, whatever he has, and he's looking at all these beautiful colors. And yeah, like you said, he saw these flashes of like history and stuff. And, and it wasn't a magic rock. It was just Kevin Garnett and his mind going, oh my God, this is amazing what this guy's telling me. And, and it's because Howard is literally just bragging about it. He's not trying it, to sell him this rock. It's not like he's over there with the Furbies doing the eyes on the, the Furbies Furby. saying, haha, you want to buy this? Look exactly what it can my do. Point. You should look at that's some exactly of these rocks. That's exactly my point. If, if he's my not trying to sell him for this guy and brought me in and he's showing me immediately Furbies that are on a chain. I'd be like, dude, this guy's weird as fuck. And then he seems so desperate when he's like, Kevin, don't leave. Don't leave. No, I got to show you something before you leave. Like, don't leave. I'm like, dude, this guy smells of desperation. And then he brings out this rock. The first thing he, it, the first thing he does, Steven, if somebody it's, took you to a jewelry no, store see, and they're like, you, hey, man, look at this video. We got uh, some African Jews in this village. They found this rare rock. Um, I, I can't even be showing it to you. I can't even be selling it right now. And then for Kevin to be like, Dude, like I want that rock. Like I just seemed so dis like unbelievable to me. It, 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 I think it's believable. I think it's suspension of disbelief. I, I find, find it totally it, believable. I find it, and Nick, it I could see, happen. I see where you're coming from, Nick. I totally see where you're coming from, Nick. But I can all, I, I, the more I watch the movie, this scene is set up as 
Howard is just genuinely enthused and excited, and he makes Kevin Garnett equally as enthused and excited. And he was just showing up the documentary that he originally watched. That he and that's why he said, "I was watching this documentary a year ago, and I saw these guys with black opals, and I'm like, how are they getting these black opals?" He said, "So I tracked these guys down. I found it. He smuggled it into the thing. He paid a hundred thousand dollars for that to that guy, and you see him at the end. He's like, so you paid someone in Eth or, in Eth or Ethiopia or Africa a hundred thousand dollars." for something that you thought was worth a million dollars and he said you don't f find anything wrong with that but it's just it's just he was so inspired by it he made kevin garnett just as inspired by it and that was the whole driving plot of the movie you just need they just needed that to be this driving plot of the movie and it was it also tied in perfectly with the sports betting another thing that, and, and, and like you said sir sure super far-fetched is it a realistic movie is it based on a true story no this is just uh, uh, I think it's a really good story of just uh, uh, the okay, most out of control. Okay, okay. How about we get box that office? Makes all these bad decisions. Box office budget. Get, give me the Rotten Tomatoes. Come on. All right. Come on. First of all, it was a crime comedy, which is a That's comedy. Right. Comedy. Yep. Okay. Similar to a crime. Is, is it drama, a comedy? Which is it, a crama. It calls God, itself a comedy. comedy. It is a. It is. A, it's a crama and it's a comedy. Does it call itself that, or did so, you? And give that's it what. That? So you guys, you guys. Um, do not see the comedy in it. However, the more I watch it, the more I do. And it's not it's not for the fact that there's a lot of jokes being said, which there are some jokes here and there, especially from Adam Sandler, the way he delivers them, just the way he's talking. But it's more about stepping back and looking at the situation about this guy. It's 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 very much like Steve Carell in the office. Very cringy to watch him be so weird in front of people and so off-putting in front of people but it's funny in that way because these people are like the the doctors on the phone like howard are you there like just listening to this stuff in the background and like the woman at the front desk is trying to like deal with this guy and how how difficult he is he's so difficult to everyone you see people come up to him on the streets hey howard you owe me money he's like i don't know who you are get the fuck away from me like it's just like funny his whole fucking life is just know. like i don't think so fucked up life i don't think like, it was funny how do you live I like Depressing. I don't know why I it's it called depressing. a comedy. I, like, think I, it's, I, I do not understand why it's a comedy. No, and, I, no and I will say the first couple times I watched it, I felt the same way. I didn't see any comedy in it. And then the more I watched it, the more I was like sort of just stepping back and watching it from watching it from the viewpoint of everyone else in the room almost, you know? Hmm. Like yeah, yeah, not yeah. and not from the viewpoint of Howard, but like almost from the viewpoint of people that are just watching this go down and i also loved all the family scenes like it's just like a window in the life of this really crazy guy you know mm -hmm. even similar to the movie you picked uh no country for old men nick it's like just a window in right. the life of like a crazy person way up here radical radical level and you see he was a hustler a scammer he was conning people his whole family life is fucked up like oh, yeah. this guy doesn't have any fucking part of his life worked out like his whole fucking life is a downhill trajectory he's and like, a nut it the ending well, is I, so I will, appropriate i will say like you said to, you kind of have to go the, into it with a different perspective like you're not going into it to enjoy the movie or like him as a person or anything like that. Like the second time I went into this, I will say I actually liked it a little bit more the second time I saw it. Cause I try to look at it of like, what's the point of the movie? The movie is to show you what this guy's life is like as a degenerate gambler, all of the downstream, like snowball effect, um, you know, decisions, like how they kind of, you know, snowball down the road and all that. Like, 
I was like, oh, this makes sense. Because the first time I saw it, I was so pissed off at the time when he got enough money to pay off some of his debt. And then he was like, fuck it, I'm putting... And then and then he puts it all in the Celtics yes. game. And the first time I saw it, I was like, yes. what the fuck are you doing? Like, I was so <laughs> mad at him. But then the second time I saw it, I was like, but listen, oh, no, it makes sense. Like, they're trying to paint the picture that this guy has a straight-up addiction and this is what it looks like. Like when, when they show him watching and the I'll Celtics you, game and they're all locked in the little entryway and he's like, oh, fuck yeah, you see it? He made the rebound. Now we got two more. Like, And he's, he's legitimately like on edge, like on full tilt. Like he doesn't even know what's going. He has got these blinders on. He doesn't even know or even comp, like comprehend what's going on side, outside of his life except for this game and this moment and this bet. And that part of it, I was like, Okay, props to you. I, I get what you're trying to like to depict here. Hmm. No, and and what was funny also is um even in that scene with him and his wife and, and she's like he's he's watching that bed. He's like, Oh, come on, go to the hall and then she comes out, she's like, Go yeah. put him to bed. Your son is up there, you know, you need to put your son to bed. And you could tell he's trying to do the right. family thing, but he's failing miserably <laughs> the entire time. And she's just like, Go put your kid to bed, like hurry. He's like all right, like, give me one second. Like, it's about to go on a commercial. He's like, these fucking refs, I can't believe. She's like, go! He's like, okay! And, like, Nick, I will say, the first the first couple times I watched it, it wasn't funny to me. But now stepping back and the, the f third, fourth, fifth time I've watched it, I find it funnier and funnier. And every time one of those scenes come up where, like, he finally saves himself and he makes this. The first bet, you see the first bet he makes, like, $60,000. He makes a bunch of money on this first bet where Kevin Garnett first had the Opal. First game that he's at, at the house. He's in the bed with his kid watching right. his phone going, yeah. You know, he um when when he takes that money and immediately uh bets on something else, um, it's just funny now. Like the fourth, fifth time I see it, I'm just laughing like, you're such a fucking idiot. Like, how could you be so stupid after you just barely squeaked by and pulled yourself out of a hole? He's got people like roughing him up saying, dude, you know, we're not fucking around. Like, give us this money. And you see there's a whole family dynamic with Arno as his brother in law. Steven. And then he's got his father-in-law, um, you know, making the bets at the auction for and him. We'll, we'll try to yeah. get back on subject with the the box office. But um, in that scene where he's trying to get his ex-wife back or his soon-to-be ex-wife, it was right after his other girl, like shit went wrong with her. And he has that scene where he's trying to win her back and he's just like, you know, I don't know. I'm getting second thoughts. Did you, did you, did you believe him at all or did you think <laughs> – this is just straight up manipulation, depression, no. like. No, dude, dude, his whole life, dude. You see, like what he's the just guy telling her. Like, and, and, he's and just telling her what she wants to movie. hear, right? You see, he's just. Because that's oh what no, I he's thought. just bullshitting her. Thought. Exactly, exactly. He's just talking. He he likes he likes to have the family, but he doesn't want to be there with his family. He wants to be out at this other apartment and making these sports bets and at the jewelry store. He doesn't want to be doing the family thing, or else he would be there fucking doing the family thing and not watching the game. He would be putting his fucking kid to sleep. Right. But no, you're absolutely right, and that that scene is so funny because. He's he's really giving it to her, and you see her just listening. She's gonna let him do the whole thing, and you think like, oh my god, she might actually, you know. But then she just starts laughing, and she's like, "You're fucking so stupid." She's like, "I don't even want to fucking look at you right now. Like you're just fucking disgusting." And then, and I just I thought that scene was so much funnier this time around too because 
you're not voting. You're not. You're not. Um, you're not rooting for Howard, really. You're just kind of watching yeah. him on the downfall, the you know. Um, and that's where I feel like people don't relate to the movie because they're well, you're, kind you're, of. You're, I kind of am relating. They, 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 they think you're supposed to be rooting for him, and like you said, then he wins it, and you're right. like, "All right, right, maybe he's gonna turn it around now and pay off his debts and go be back with his family." And like you think maybe, and then he doesn't. And then he, the first thing he does does with Kevin Garnett's ring, he fucking takes it and pawns it and gets money yeah. to make a bet, yeah. like. The guy is such a fucking idiot. He's got that as collateral for his fucking million dollar Opal. You fucking idiot. Yeah, he's an idiot. And because of all that bullshit, he wasn't even able to get it appraised properly. And then it had the the people. She, you can tell the woman was on the phone like, I'm just happy to be. I don't even care if we don't make any, any money. I'm just we're never working together totally. again. I'm just happy to be rid of you. After that's this. kind of person like, he was. That's yeah. the kind of the person that he leaves and like. We, we don't ever know those kind of people because we don't let those people into our lives. We don't even let them near our lives. We don't let them within five feet of our lives. If they come into our lives, they're pretty recognizable and usually we get rid of them. But to watch that window into a life of all these people pretty much let them yeah. into their lives. I mean, everyone in the movie. I will say I was, I was kind of their of, fault. Uh, I was rooting. It's not even his fault at that point. I do feel like he was an asshole and all the things, but I still was, there was part of me that was rooting for him about 75% of the movie. And then he was just a straight up villain kind of towards the end. No. And then you see him again. It's like he get he's at the table with the opal. He gets the money and he's like, well, he's like, and then, and then Kevin Garnett's pretty much calling him out for like, Oh, you, you paid a hundred thousand dollars for this. And you're going to, you know, you like what made he's like what i made sixty five thousand dollars he's like kevin like you're on the court and you you win the big game and you're you're not trying to win it by a point you're trying to fucking flush him out win it by 30. he's like this is my game this is how he's like this is how i win he's like let's fucking bet on this takes all the money he just fucking got for the goddamn opal that he spent more and it's not even his money. It's not even his money, yeah. which is and the funniest thing. And then you're gonna tell thing. me he's immediately gonna throw that he got shit his down on his other bed. Dad so sure. relative to give him to to front him his father in law seventy five thousand dollars or something. How much was it? With a ten percent, he said Howard. With a ten percent, he said, "Of course, you got this. Why is gonna give me a couple weeks? But I'm gonna give it to you." He He's like, I'm going to get the money. I'm going to wire it right back over. And then he calls Kevin Garnett's attorney or uh, advisor back, you know, and he's like, and then all, and then right then Kevin Garnett is going to know. So you had someone bit, bidding me up. Did, you had quick question. I also got a quick question for up. Steven. Was he wearing veneers the whole time or what was, what was his oh, teeth? Oh, that's uh, there's a, there's a, I feel like, oh yeah, a false, uh, false, teeth. false teeth and a uh, fake mole. And another thing that I've, Okay, okay. I found that super funny. I, I found that those touches. His goatee, his glasses, I found his look, the leather, I found it all hilarious. I just found it to be like very I don't know if you guys found it. His his accent, um, his whole style, they said um oh we gotta get into the uh we'll get into the stats and facts. We we yeah, talked yeah, a bit, but get uh, into them. they said fuck. They said fuck five hundred and sixty times. That's a lot. That is number five. That's a lot. That is uh, number five on the chart. Maybe he was going for that. Um, we have done. Pulp what have we done that's on this list? I don't. Pulp. We didn't do Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I know Wolf of Wall Street's on there. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street is number four. Gutter Balls is number three. Fuck the documentary is number two. Swear Net the movie is number one. 
But uh, Uncut James is number five, so just under Wolf of Wall Street for having the most fucks in that movie. Nice, very nice, and I could tell. Uh, Casino is number eight. Straight Outta Compton, number nine. Interesting list. We've talked about oh, that before, uh, I think. With there's one Pulp thing Fiction. I wanted to get in here about because I grew up love loving Kevin Garnett and the I just watched the NBA a lot and I loved Kevin Garnett. I did want to talk about him quickly because I thought he did a really good job in this actually. But he uh, was drafted in 1995, and he was drafted to the Timberwolves. And he um, he was just a big deal, like yeah. a huge deal back in the day. I had posters of him up on my wall. And I had card, playing cards of his. He was a big deal basketball player. And I think he's since retired. Yeah, he's yeah. A, one of the most dominant power I see him forwards. on um, like NBA shows from time to time. I'm pretty sure he's like – it's either him or um, Chris Paul. They might both do um, – like the commentator kind of thing, but Steven, what was the, uh, what yeah, were the numbers good. on this? I like him a I lot. I want to see what this profit I really liked I him. I really liked this. him acting. I yeah. mean, obviously he's acting, he's acting as himself, but it was a, it he was, was still very really believable good. and very convincing. Yeah. And especially that scene when he's in the office with him at the end, I was just like, damn, like Kevin Garnett definitely has what it takes. I feel, um, he can just play himself in a movie and, or someone that just has his kind of character in a movie, you give him lines and he's going to deliver it and make it fucking appealing. Like whether he has different characters in him or not, you know, he can deliver lines and make him super. He's also, um, he's and, also six eleven. That's pretty, uh, pretty average. And Adam yeah, Sandler's five. Movie. And I love seeing him with Adam Sandler. <laughs> just Adam Sandler's five ten. So there's and Adam Sandler is actually a big basketball guy. It sounds like. And real quick. Yeah, he is. Real he quick, did that hustle um, movie recently I, with uh, LeBron. Or, uh, yeah. I haven't seen it, but yeah, he did it with LeBron James. He, I think that NBA in general w- was really behind him on that movie. He had a lot of, support, and that's another thing uh, for that. I movie. think for this movie, the NBA was behind him because they were actually showing legitimate games. And, um, and I, so I really, really, good. really love that about this Me movie. Too. And I'm not a huge basketball it's guy, big... but like this movie kind of makes you want to get into basketball. You know, you're like, Oh shit, this guy is so yeah, enthusiastic yeah, yeah. about it. And it was cool scene. That's another reason why I love this movie so much is just because all those sports scenes and you see them like, and it's not really about the actual game. It's just about these behind the scenes bets that this guy's yeah. making and like, mm-hmm. It's not. There's a couple different games, and there's a game in the middle where Kevin's not doing well, and they're just all the family sitting in the uh, living room watching it, and like you see, he walks in, and his wife is watching that like show or whatever that female show, and he's like, "Can you can you switch it over to ESPN real quick?" He's like, "It's commercial. Come on, I'll take two seconds." um, And he just see she's like, so over him and so fucking sick of him. It's just like. And you can tell us, it's like, dude, why are you continuing to yeah. do this? Just go back and watch on your phone. Like, yeah, no, your no. your your wife is already fucking pissed off well, at you. Just go also, watch that shit. I mean, so you're, selfish. You're that talking about like it kind of makes you want to watch NBA games. I don't know. I, I always think it's kind of cool when girls are like really into like sports like this. Like when the when uh, his girlfriend's like over at that one guy's apartment and she's like running to turn the game on. He's just like. Oh baby, like I I love that you're into this game right now. Like she was so invested in the game because they had money on it. But and I think that she was she was only into that oh, game sure. because she made that bet and she knew how much it, it was gonna make yeah, all yeah, that yeah. money. She knew. She said, um, she was like, yeah, where's the? Uh, how do I get this game on? How do I get this game on? She just wanted to see. And I think no, I don't think no. she was necessarily a sports person. 
I just think she knew yeah. that specific bet and how much was on that. And t I feel like he, a lot of times he keeps that to himself. He didn't even tell his son. You see, he said, your dad's got a lot of lot of money on this game. He's like, oh, yeah, how sure. much? He's like, you don't want to know. Well, another, He's like, um, a lot, right? He's like, yeah. You don't want to know. It, it, it's just I feel, like, I feel like a lot of those bets. And you see, he goes into that restaurant with that guy. I don't know who that guy is, but I want to talk about well, him. One, we got to get into that guy. I feel like that guy that was I thought somebody. was interesting about the, he, uh, the games. So um, – the, the Celtics coach was Doc Rivers at the time. Huge, huge coach. Trent obviously knows him. Now he's uh, now he's yeah. the coach for the Clippers, I believe. But during that like halftime speech um, that Doc Rivers is giving uh, when they're in the locker room, uh, apparently he recorded a voiceover for the film. And his halftime speech where he's talking about like roaches, that whole line was based on a real speech he gave to his current team, the LA Clippers during a playoff game against the golden state warriors. Oh, so wow. he like re-recorded that speech based on like a previous speech he's actually given in like real life before, which I thought was interesting. That's pretty, I cool. heard that. Are you talking about yeah. when Kevin Garnett is in the uh, yeah, locker yeah, room looking exactly. at the opal? You hear him in the background. Yeah. That, 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 I, I didn't know who that was, but that makes a lot more sense. Now that you say that I will say real quick guys, IMDB 7.4 out of 10 rotten tomatoes, 91%. Wow. Metacritic, 91% also. It sounds like they're just copying and pasting Rotten Tomatoes on that one. Uh, I'll let you be the judge. Budget. What do you think the budget Wait, was? What were Google users? Uh, I didn't Wait, see Wait, I'm looking users. it up Why right you bring now. That up? I'm looking Turn. it up. Um, Don't look up that budget. 70, It'll also pop 74 up. 74% Google users. For the budget, I'm going to uh, go what, like... What do you guys think the budget? I don't know if it's quite a hundred million. I mean, there wasn't a lot of like action stunt type of like cinematography, but you're also bringing in like big names like KG and I don't know. Um, I'm going to guess like, uh, I think it. it's 70 mil, 70 mil budget. And I'm going to guess 250,000. You mean mil? Box office. 250,000. That was a huge loss. Nick, what so are you, you serious on that? <laughs> Nick, what do you okay. think? Uh, he meant million. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I was million, between. I was between. I was million, actually kind of in the same million. ballpark. I was between fifty and a hundred budget. So I'm gonna guess like eighty mil budget, like a hundred and fifty box office. Hmm. Okay, Stephen. Oh, wow. nineteen million budget. Wow. Fifty oh, okay. million box office. Wow. But it did come out. Now I also this this was 2019 yeah. December so I think before wasn't COVID, COVID no COVID before, was March yeah yeah COVID yeah Co no no COVID happened 2020 so it hadn't hit but it did uh, so it hadn't it had it probably yet. was but you know what still like most of it uh, I think it went straight to Netflix though Stephen I think it did too which um but I was impressed to see only a $19 million budget. And I feel like with everything they, they did, I feel like it wasn't, I think it wasn't even an independent film. Um, I don't think it was a studio film. I think it was an independent film with the oh, writers. It, okay. And, and, uh, so they brought this script, they brought this script to um, Adam Sandler and he, you know, he, he went off and did a it lot of It says um, Netflix received the movie on January 31st. So it did, it sounds like it did go to, to movie theaters and just underperformed. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, independent uh, Spirit Award for Best though. Male Lead. 
They had some other awards. Oh, they did not give him an Academy, at, which I thought was interesting, an Academy Award. They didn't even – I don't even think they nominated him. And um, and maybe – I was I also going to say uh, – Yeah, he was kind of, I think, Daniel upset Day, about that. Daniel Day-Lewis said – but And, and I think this is another movie that – Interesting. I think that this is a movie that um, initially, especially if you go into it not knowing what it's about, and that's what I'm saying. My sister and my dad came to me. And they were like, yeah, we saw Uncut Gems, and it was horrible. My sister right. was like, I was stressed out like the, the entire point. time. And so when I watched it, I was like, I, I was expecting there to be nonstop stress. So I was like, I was like, I'm kind of disconnected. So I think the first time was much better for me, and it and allowed me to watch it a second and a third time. And the more you watch it, the more it grows on you because, like you said, you 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 know the entire story. You know what kind of person he is. So when you go back and watch it, you can kind of just sit back and look at all the funny nuances. And um, yeah, yep. I think it's just I think it grows on you. I think it's like a. You know, maybe like a craft beer or something. You know, fine it's not for line. everyone, but there, there's certain people that are really going to enjoy yeah. it, and it's going to be one of those things that, you know. It's a good, fine. I, I just like, I just love fine. watching, uh, I just think he did the, the downfall so well. And I think that's really hard to kind of depict. And you don't see a lot of movies like that. You see a lot of movies where they're, they get down and then they get back up again. This is a movie where he's down, way down already, and he finds the way to dig himself even deeper, and then he gets himself killed. Mm. And I love that he gets himself killed in the end. I just love that they did that in the movie. I just love that he died. Because this movie this movie didn't he this guy did not deserve, <laughs> deserve to, to live to squeeze to out of it, get his millions of dollars. He didn't deserve to get fucking out of this and uh, get his million. Because you know what would have happened if he got that one point two. He would have lost it. Guess what? He would have bet it and lost it. He would have fucking done something with it immediately. We've already seen the trajectory of this guy. We've already known what he does yeah. as soon as he wins big. He's going to immediately He's an fucking addict. go put that million he on something else. He wants the dopamine hit so of the next Sometime the next before bet. we end the section, it doesn't have to be right now, but I do want to share my screen because I, uh, I have a little video presentation for the class today. Should we hold? <laughs> yes. Okay, we'll share. Go ahead, Stephen. Do you have how much? Uh, you got a lot more going there. Yeah. Do you have any other? Because uh, this would be a nice little thing to tie a bow what? at the end. Okay, I was just gonna say. Um, uh, yeah, Adam Sandler wore the fake teeth and the fake dark mm -hmm. mole for the for the role. Um, UC is a real life juror, McHead. I don't even want to butcher that. Maked, Maked A, who was an em, em, um, embroiled in the social media spat with rapper Takashi69 in 2018 over a $25,000 bracelet that he said he lent to the performer and was never paid for. The situation was covered by several hip-hop media outlets. So again, um, Again, he he took. Uh, I guess this was an actual jeweler that he put in the movie. Yissy was one of the guys in his. Uh -huh. I think it may have been the guy that quit. That was another um, yeah. interesting thing, right? Uh, like, one of those. One of those guys that was in his. Let's talk about that really, really in his, quick. Because I thought that was a very, very. I thought that <laughs> really quick. diamond <laughs> yeah, right. Famous last words. I I thought that was a very interesting scene 
my second time seeing the movie it, it, the big ones that really like showed his true colors were like how he interacted with his family how like manipulative he was trying to get his ex-wife back but that scene where his his employee who had been there like years with him is like really trying to vocalize like his concerns and how shitty he treats him and and adam can't even hear him like he doesn't even know he's in the room he's so concerned about his <laughs> money he say, doesn't he say nick he's like i i'm gonna oh, yeah. come or something like that <laughs> no, no, i'm no. about and, and to cut off I was like, good God. That's why, that's why I was trying to stress to Nick about that scene specifically because that's the scene where Kevin Garnett is there. He's pulling the opal that, out of the fish. That scene. And this guy, if you see right when, when Kevin Garnett is there, you see right when Adam Sandler walks into the scene, um, Kevin Garnett's security is punching those two guys that are, yeah. that are harassing Howard to get the money for Arno. Those two guys that are harassing him – uh, Kevin Garnett security punches them and those guys are pissed off. They're on the hallway yelling back and forth. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, Howard, you're fucking dead. You think you're fucking funny? Like, you're fucking dead. They're fucking leaving. The, the security's like, you fucking leave too, Howard. And he's like, no, this is my shop. They're just like security for Kevin Garnett. You know, they're his security saying, hey, everyone, you know. So he goes in there. Apparently those two guys um, that were the, the, the two guys that were there for Arno were in the shop earlier right. and they were fucking roughing that guy up. Right. They were roughing that kid up. Mm. So when Howard gets in, he's watching this fight. He's watching these other fucking guys kick these guys out. Um, he's going through all this commotion, getting back in there. Kevin Garnett's in there. He's trying to fucking see Kevin Garnett and trying to sell him some stuff. Um, but you see, and I think this may have been the second time. I don't, or no, this must have been the first time, but... He goes in there. He's talking to Kevin Garnett. The shipment comes. He's like, oh, my fucking God. Like, my fucking Opal's here. And that's why I was yes, trying to stress yes, to Nick he that this, he was so excited about this that when when he's looking for this Opal, his employee that just got roughed up is literally fucking pissed off laying into yeah. him. And he yeah. it's just white noise to him. Literally, he's Focus got tunnel vision for this Opal. And that's why I was trying to stress to Nick. Like, I feel like. And the first thing he says, he says, he's like, yeah, he's like, well, what'd you say to piss him off? And he's like, I didn't fucking say anything. These guys were asking who worked here and who did it. And I said, these guys don't work here. And then they started beating my ass. And he's like, they ripped my fucking shirt. And he's like, and he's just tunnel vision at that point. He's just trying to get into that fish. He's like, look at you fucking looking at these fish. You don't even fuck. I've been giving you years here. You don't even. And Steven, what is, what does Adam second. say? What does Adam say at the very end? He, he, he just says, and then oh, the good. guy's like, oh, <laughs> dude, I quit. <laughs> because he, he pulls the opal out, but you see you see Thank how you tunnel that. vision he is for that opal and how important that is and how much he thinks yes, that is yes. worth that he's not even listening to care. his employee blaze off. And he's so used to people fucking probably yelling at him every day that it's probably a lot easier for him to, like, white noise that out, especially when he's super focused. But... Yeah, that guy quits right after that because he's pretty much like, you don't even fucking like listen well, to me. Steven, I 100% agree with you that his acting is incredible. And, and I like... I was just I trying like, to stress that that is why he's so enamored by that Opal. And then he goes and he's he's so enthusiastic that he gets Kevin Garnett just as enthusiastic. Like, he doesn't even care that his employee just quit that has been there for years. Yeah. Like, that's how but happy was, he is that had just what gotten this Opal. He doesn't Adam even give a shit that this kid was just like, up. Yeah, there's there's rumors that you can see the whole universe inside of it. Like they they tried to make it seem like it's it has magic powers. Like I, I get that it didn't have magic powers, but the whole allure was like 
you can see the whole world. They were just making it, it seem like these are super rare. These are super rare in the world in general, and they've got so many unique, cool colors that it's like not like a clear diamond where you're just looking through. Like you look into this thing and you see beautiful colors. And he was just pretty much saying that's been here forever. Like since the world was here, that's been here, and you're, that's probably they've been here through the dinosaurs. Been it was just it's been yeah, physically yeah, here on the earth both, for so long that that's what he's trying to say. It's like. He's so inspired by that. He doesn't think it's a magic rock that's giving him powers like the stuff in Space Jam, the water that they're drinking. You're in Space both Jam. right. He's, he's You're not, he both doesn't think right. that. He just he's so inspired by what it is and how long it's been here and that it's a one of a kind that and he's looking through this and he's seeing all the beautiful colors. Like he's just super inspired by it, just as just like Howard was. He just got tunnel vision for that thing. And that's that's the whole movie is revolved around that scene because that scene is just trying to depict, hey, these two guys are super 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 into this now just in that one sitting he and and everything that howard told him wasn't a fucking joke it was it was right. legit according to the movie it was everything was real he he was he wasn't trying to sell him on it he was literally showing him documentary of these guys and that's what that's just what that scene i, I it is unbelievable it's it's not believable that much i do agree with you it's like w would this ever happen probably not but um I think that that was, scene was super important to drive the entire movie forward because the entire movie revolves around what's going on with that Opal and how Kevin Garnett is playing in these games that he's betting super all, big all I'm money saying on. Is I because I, Kevin's I got the fucking have Opal, a fucking stick a gum off that guy, let alone trusted him that this thing was legit. <laughs> no, but, and, but and see, even, even if this know, guy, even if this guy is vouching, this guy, you're saying like, oh, you know, this guy's vouching for him, but it's like. Well, exactly. you're also making money Stick off this deal, gun. so you have an interest in making the sale too. So when commission gets involved, that's when I I don't trust it. But but Nick, you're thinking yes, logic. And if I'm an athlete you're with millions logically. of dollars, Nick, Nick, if you're an athlete you're, with millions of dollars, movie, you're trying to get taken advantage you know of the all guy. the time. He's not thinking like if you have millions of dollars, you're probably having family, friends being like, "Oh, you should invest in this. Here's this new crypto thing. You should put your money in this." Like I would have my guard up all the time for no, bullshit. Right, and when somebody's coming up, man, like. Yeah, man, look at these videos. These African Jews, man. The African Nick, Jews, say, like they found this rock, man. But he doesn't even. He doesn't even. He says he can't even sell that to him. He says I can't sell that to you. It's up for auction. You can go to the auction. Right. That makes it even he says, seem I can't sketchier. Even like so oh, I this do is agree. So good, I can't even he's sell trying it to. You. to I can't even sell it to you, bro. But if no, you want he, it, like go to the auction. No, he's. He just said it's set for auction, and that's super believable. Hey. I can't sell this to you. It's said for auction. And he's like, what the fuck you mean? You're going to show me something you can't even fucking sell me? He's like, why did you do that? And you literally just see him say, he said, I was excited. And he literally was just excited that he got that Opal and was able to show Kevin Garnett. He was just bragging about it. And it got Kevin Garnett so inspired. And he was like, what do you mean I can't fucking buy, buy it? Which probably made Kevin Garnett fucking even want him more. I just don't buy it. Probably I like, don't buy it. I got to go to an auction and put on a suit I'm and bring there. an advisor. Bring an advisor and go to this auction and like... And I agree with you. It's definitely far fetched, but uh, it was a super, super important scene that, um, in the uh, you know, in respect of the whole movie, that was a very important scene, getting him inspired, and it just drives the entire movie. You know, uh, Kevin Garnett, him wanting that so bad. But Nick, you also got to understand, Damani brought him yeah. uh, to the thing. Before you play this, Damani brought him to the. Uh, this guy is like knows all the industry people. You know, Kevin Garnett probably has like a, a guy with a really nice jewelry. Hey, where'd you get that? 
Oh, talk to my buddy Damani. He knows all the he knows all the high end jewelry places. You go up to this high end jewelry place that blending you in. Burn. You're gonna assume that they have legit stuff there, and that's why he says, "Does this does this watch have any papers?" And the guy says, "No, I don't have any papers." He's like, "Yeah, you know, people call each other out for this. I'm not gonna get this watch because." It doesn't have any papers. So he's there expecting to get a legitimate experience. He's not there expecting to get fucked around like some random dude on the street saying, hey, dude, I got a couple watches here. You want to buy one? Like he's in a legit jewelry store. So in his mind, he's he's in the spot that's been vouched for by this other guy that has dealt with other celebrities. So in, in Kevin Garnett's mind, he's not just like looking at this sleazy two-timer. We see him as a sleazy two-timer. My, my point is if somebody is selling you Kevin Garnett figures that, that out does not exist to anybody that's the part to me that seems far-fetched like i'm selling you this rare rock that nobody has nobody knows about that part alone is fishy to me right he's well, not selling it to him. he's he's basically like showing it off and that's and that's what he, but that's he's what telling him to go like to the he's, auction he's, not, he's telling he's him to go even, to the auction he's just so enthusiastic that to to he auction, just though. got it no exactly he is, but that he, he in, in his mind at that point, that thing is going to sell for a million at auction anyways. That's, well, that's what right, he's let's, thinking. Let's, let's, let's move on because we could keep talking and, about And the this. only reason that, that that fucks up. Yeah, you the, too. I'm just saying the only reason that you that fucks too, up at the uh, auction is because when he gets there, they did a correction and they evaluated it way less than a million. So that's the only reason the whole auction thing gets fucked up with him. But in that moment, he literally thinks that that thing is worth a million dollars. And he told him, he even tells him when he's first, before the auction, he's like, I got $175,000 right here. He looks at him, he says, that's ridiculous. It's worth a million. And he says, just go to the auction. Like, like go to the auction and make a bid. He's just genuine at that point. He's just genuinely saying, yeah, dude, go, you can buy it. Just go to the auction and like, you know, you're going to have to pay me what it's worth pretty much. And you're going to be bidding against other people that think it's a million. He doesn't realize it's but not worth also, a million. Until also, he the goes, other hole in this logic um, is why and, would Kevin Garnett agree to buy it from him after he already knows that he colluded with somebody to jack the price up? Nobody was going to pay that amount for it until the other guy started bidding against him. It was only worth like a hundred grand. In the movie, in the movie, The Rock is still just as genuine as as Howard depicted. Right, but it and wasn't going to sell the, for that the, high. The, the it was never going to sell for perfect. that high. The history is there. The inspiration. The inspiration is still super there. And yeah, no, he walks into the office and he says, dude, I know you were trying to fuck me. I know you were trying to bid someone else up against me because why would you call me directly right. after so the Right, so why would he buy it? Why would he go available? back and buy it and from the other him guy at, backed the, out. at a higher price? Because he still knows what the Opal is. He still knows he's getting a decent price for it. He saw what the valuation for it is. He knew he was buying it within the, the, the value of the range. He was still inspired by it. He was just pretty much like, dude, you're a fucking sleazy bag. And I'm not going to, he wasn't going to do any more business with him. It wasn't like he was going to be like, yeah, I'll be back next week. If he was going to buy that Opal and never fucking see the dude again, he probably was never going to fucking talk right, to Damani me... again after that. All right. But so he I'm was a, just pretty a... much like, we we can't get we all right we can't get clip for audio don't well, don't do too much audio bit. here. It's just I don't want to get bit. I don't want to get um. So it's fine. I hope we don't get. All right, I'm gonna need you guys to be quiet when I play these. I'm like already stressed out watching this video. Like you I'm gonna put the mic the you know, close to the computer, <laughs> and I need put you guys your, uh, to be quiet because I'm gonna the, have yeah. my phone on. So if you guys talk during this, just be quiet for a minute and let me show you. 
how much Adam's accent varies from scene to scene, okay? And how much this how much this absolutely <laughs> pisses me off. It does, and how I much agree. Inconsistency I agree. there is in his voice. So I'm gonna show I you agree. one scene at the beginning of the jewelry store, or beginning of the movie when he's leaving the jewelry store, and he's like calling his boy Arno and he's like putting on the most fake accent ever. And then there's like a scene of him with KG where he's talking about the gem and the African Jews and all this. And he sounds like he's Matthew McConaughey where he's like, yeah, man, the, the African Jews, man, the African Jews. And it's like, he completely loses the accent. It's, it's so noticeable to me. All right. Give me, give me one let's, second. Let's hear this. Let's hear I'm this. Gonna, um, turn off my headphones here. All right. All right. This is the stop talking. Stop talking. First. So this is the this is the first one. what the fuck is this shit? You're sending collectors to fuck with me at my office? Are you out of your fucking mind? I'm literally minutes away from closing the biggest deal of my goddamn life, and when I do, you're gonna be embarrassed. Oh, and by the way, the watch they took from me is worth. All right, you get the you get the picture, the fucking watch, the debt collectors, all this, and then this is like a a scene later. Hold on, Stephen, no talking. Uh, put your no talking. Uh, actual physical mic close. This is a, a scene later. All right, so these are black Jews. All right, they're stranded in the middle of Ethiopia. Where where does his accent go? Please tell me. Where does his accent? He goes from he goes from the debt collectors. Nick, I will completely agree with you. It is, it is I don't know. I don't think it's that egregiously I really, different. I didn't really, Jews, man. It was not that bad. I didn't bad. really realize how. I didn't really, I didn't realize how bad it was until. Um, watching it this more recent time, but I did absolutely notice that, and it was, um, it was a bit annoying, kind of watching it. But I did kind of like it. I liked his accent. It almost sounds like he was talking with his nose plugged. The up. debt collectors. You gotta be really embarrassed. Like, oh, oh no, twenty thousand dollars. I It is annoying. Like a scene but... later, he it's gone. You gotta be really embarrassed when I pull up. It was pretty. It was still Jews. pretty like entertaining though. I did. I do know what you mean. It's annoying. It just, I, I thought that clip wasn't as egregious changed. as you made it out to be. But I. I do. I actually. I do think it was not bad. I think that first scene you played, Nick. I do find that scene more funny now when I watch it because of his voice, and I think it is more entertaining for me um, versus annoying. But I did realize this last most recent time that his accent was really inconsistent. There's times where it really comes out to yes. be the Jewish accent. And then there's times Sandler, where he exactly. goes back to just being Adam Sandler, just talking like Adam Sandler. Um, and I kind of liked it cause I probably wouldn't want to have to deal with that accent the entire movie, but it was nice to get those funny little tastes of it. And maybe that was part of it. Maybe they knew they wanted to do that. Where I think like, it was yeah, like, listen, I don't want to talk about to this. To me, it was movie, sloppy. To me, it was glass half full on this All around. I think it was just sloppy. I think Every he just little was thing like, about this puts movie. it on for a little bit. And he's like, yeah, do you guys get the scene? And then they're like, 
I mean, I guess like it didn't sound like how you talk in the rest of the movie, but they won't notice. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> but I will say it's it's. <laughs> but it's, we got everybody. It's in only it. in the beginning where he puts it on really hard, and then as the movie goes on, he just starts talking more like Adam Sandler to me. But it, to me, it just seemed like sloppy. Like when Steven talks about like you know noticing things in editing or he'll listen to a podcast and he can tell the quality for me that was one of those things where i was like just redo that scene because that scene is so different than how he talks the rest of the movie to me that i was like this is just sloppy this is just bad i don't know i don't think it was as bad as you're making yeah it i can see where you're coming from it didn't really annoy me that much but could you guys hear I, it when i, I was I putting it up to the phone i feel like i feel like the, um the differences okay yeah we could hear it I feel like for the most no, part, could, um, I wanted you to, um, I really want go ahead. Please. I was just gonna say for the most part throughout, I can tell already. And we're only, you know, a little bit in here that Nick kind of has a bad hint of this movie. And Steven has a good t- tilt to this movie. And I'm I like, mean, just that's, right. That's center, typically like, yeah, how it is. It's pretty, it's just all pretty good. It is what it is. I don't is. think my review, happened, my review is not going to be like, as low as you think. Movies fine, not move on. We've, we've spent a, spent a lot of time here. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. We'll it. move on to five for five. Okay, five for five. Give us the spiel. Five for five. Welcome back. Give the spiel. You need to answer four of the five questions correct for five dollars. Venmo into your pocket. Venmo Zale, Cash App, or paypal or snail mail and we'll also take money orders and stripe i want my five dollars right. in pennies maybe checks <laughs> also any denomination you like we can't accommodate okay you let us know ready to take okay let's see here i've got a lot one two Hopefully three five. four five six seven eight eight questions okay. for a five for five so i'm gonna have to weed Three out. I know one I'm going to weed out. So let's see here. Two okay. out. Um, I'm going to ask that question. I'm just sorry. I've been busy. I'm just trying to find which the least interesting. They're all very interesting, and I'm going to ask them all. But for the f- official five for five, let's let let's start with how many months did it take for him to get the opal? Okay. Mm-hmm. Specifically says this. Okay. 12, 17, 20 or 26? Uh, one more time. 12, 17, 20, 26. Yeah, my guess is either uh, A or B, but I'm going 12 because I yeah. thought it was a year. I thought it was specifically a year, but Nick, you go ahead. I thought it was two, and maybe even Steven like, hinted at this earlier, but I didn't catch the number. Um, I don't know. It seems too specific now just to be 12, so I'm going to go 17. Nick, there you go, buddy. Yeah. With a 17, 17 months. Year and a half. Yeah, he specifically says 17 months. Okay. All right, I'm going to move away from this. There's a couple more Opal questions. I'm going to hop off of them just for a second. What was the name of the shop? Hmm. Um, it's said a couple of times. I think it's said at least once, but it's also shown on the sign. Three letters. Okay. KMG, KGM, GMG, or GKG. 
One, and it was going to be a little bit time. hard. And the thing you would, the thing is, you're just kind of, you would just kind of have to know, or you're just sort of going to be guessing randomly, because any of these could be it. KMG, KGM, those are the K's, or is it GMG, or GKG? MGK. I could have put that. <laughs> I think it's A or B. I'm just going like to go. You would have known it wasn't that. I'm going to go A. <laughs> Um, I think I'm going A as well. Um, yeah, I'm going A as well. Boys, for a question that was random, you guys both yeah, got I, it. I right? remember there was a K in it because I was thinking you might pick this one. But I does it stand for anything? Tricky still. So I was trying to think of. What? I was. I, I was don't trying to think if there was like an H in it. it for Howard or something, but there was none that had H in it. KMG. That's just what it said. I thought it was interesting. I didn't even realize it till this last time watching it. Who okay, another question I wanted to ask. Nick two for two. You're not gonna get this. What was the VIG on his twenty one K loan for the KG ring? KG gives him the ring as collateral. He goes at the pawn shop. And he immediately pawns it. He was immediately it, it wasn't necessarily a pawn shop. It was like a high end jewelry. But pawn but was this the first time or the second time? Because didn't he up the rate after he got it back when he gave him the Knicks ring? Is it that time or the first time? Cause doesn't he um, this would be the first time. This would be the first time he goes. Does he give him the Knicks ring? He doesn't give him the Knicks yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah. He? Because he, he goes back and he's like, I need the Celtics ring back. And he's like, Do you have the money? And he's like, I'll I'll just give you this Knicks ring. And then. Oh, right, right, right. He gives him the Knicks. He gives him the Knicks ring. No, this was the very first time he went to see them. The okay. very first time he gives him the KG ring. Okay. Uh, it's for twenty one thousand, dollars loan for what VIG, which is pretty much the interest rate. Okay. Five percent, six percent, seven percent, or eight percent. Interest rate is what we're guessing. I, I think I know it. I think I know it. It's it's called the VIG. It's called the VIG. He says twenty one K with a however percent VIG. Got it, Trent. Five, six, seven, or eight. Well, you know, that kind of money, you're gonna want a high interest rate. Make sure, you know, um they don't try to I'm on seven. Ooh, Trent. I think that's the right answer. I'm a seven. Trent. Seven's the number I had in my head before you even listed the question. So I think it's seven. It's the most magically powerful number in Harry Potter. If you guys know. Does that mean we got it? Yes, it was Fuck seven. Yeah. Boom. It was seven. Three for Fuck three. Yeah. You know, initially he says, I think he says. Steven. I'll give you 25,000 at an 8% was his first offer. Or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. It no, it, it, it used to be 25. And then, yeah, the number came down from like 25 to like 21 or 22. I think it was like a 25 with an 8% VIG, or I'll give you 21 with a 7% VIG. I'm sure that was, he was just doing his, um, probably figuring out what he could risk at that moment, you know, per thousand dollars that he was giving him. And he probably just had a formula and was like, you want a 7% VIG? I can give you 21. If you want an 8%, I can get 25. Hmm. Like, um, so he probably just had that formula, but I thought that was really interesting because Howard just goes, give me 50 for it. And he's like, he, you see, he's less than half of what right. Howard was saying. Howard is always way up here with stuff. Another thing you guys probably didn't pick up on. Um, you know, those watches that he's giving out throughout the movie, he's giving this watches away. It was guys that come out. He was like, go sell this Rolex for 15,000 over at, you know, on the 10th Avenue. Yeah. Uh, those are all, um, those are all his guys 
uh, knockoff watches. All um, you remember when he was looking through his safe, and he's like, "Where are all my watches?" He's like, "I loaned them." Those are all all those watches that he's have. He's give, trying to give out to people. Remember, he goes over yeah. to the guy. He's like, "Here, here's his watches right. for dealing with me." And the guy's like, "No, it's probably fell off a truck. I don't even want this. Like, you take. I already got a Rolex. Like, take it back." He's just he's taking this other guy's watches and just like giving them off on the street, like yeah, as like pay off for some of these like guys. And they're all fake, and then they come back like, "Hey, really really quick before I forget to bring this up, and I I swear I won't go on a tangent on this, but a little (laughs) like peel behind the onion on how like the Rolex market works. So if you're selling a pre-owned watch, the biggest things that that collectors and buyers care about are having the original box and papers. The box is a little bit less important because you can buy a secondhand box for like 100 to 200 bucks, but it's more about having the watch complete. The papers, the papers are the biggest indicator that the watch is authentic. So if you can show, I have the serial number, I bought this watch from Mayer's Jeweler in 2012, here's the serial number, it matches the serial number on the watch, you already have a lot more credibility that the watch is authentic. You can still sell your watch secondhand without the original paperwork and box. But if you don't have the paperwork specifically, you're going to take, say it's a $20,000 Rolex presidential watch. You're you're easily going to lose like $1,000 <laughs> just on the paperwork alone. Because um, you can get it authenticated at like a crown and caliber type of place. The watchmaker is going to take it apart and tell you if it's real. And anyone who buys a watch like that should be taking it to a watchmaker to verify that it is authentic. But it's really just having that like certification stamp that this watch is like authentic. So mm. when I, I I immediately was laughing the first time I saw this move when he's like, he's like, what the box and papers? Like, no, I don't have the box and papers. <laughs> but, but it's legit. You know, it's legit. I'm like. You are such a fucking sleazebag already. I know Nick, that what's this watch the hair- isn't legit. What's the uh, haircut of price if you don't have box and papers? What, what did you say? Probably. Well, it depends on the the value of the watch, but like probably for like uh, a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollar Rolex, it's probably three to five hundred dollars um, haircut and value. But if it's like a twenty thousand dollar to fifty thousand dollar like collectible watch or high end Rolex, it's it's probably several thousand dollars in gotcha. value interesting you said you originally said twenty thousand dollars with a hundred thousand a one thousand dollar haircut which i thought was super low i mean it could be it could be uh, a little bit uh, more than that yeah like a couple thousand can you can you uh get a watch verified with papers if you get it uh authentically checked today can can that watch they can't provide whatever you said. The, the the place can they can they provide you with um, legitimacy papers so, saying this is legitimate. So product? you could get like a certificate of authenticity from a jeweler. Like if you took a Rolex into Mayor's Jeweler in the mall, they could they could give you some sort of paperwork that says that this watch is authentic. But to get an original certification of you know like an original the original paperwork card with the serial number on it yeah. that's made by Rolex, that's really hard to get. And I think you can directly go to Rolex's website and try to reorder it, but it costs a lot of money and they're like, it takes a long time to get. So ha- that's why having the original paperwork is really important. You could still have like a certificate of authenticity, but it doesn't, it doesn't like trump the original like paperwork from Rolex. No, that's interesting. Yeah. Let me ask you, my, my dad gave me with paperwork a Daytona from the eighties. Is that worth anything? I know you're fucking with me because yes, it would be worth a lot of money. That'd be priceless <laughs> too, because your dad would have given it to you. 
But like Ro- Rachel's dad brought in a. Rolex. Oh, it would have been at the fucking pawn shop with a seven percent vig all day. Bro. <laughs> Rachel's Fuck Rachel's that. dad when we first started dating brought in his old Rolex, his old like date just Rolex. He didn't have any of the paperwork, any of the box, and I think we gave him like fifteen hundred bucks for it. You know, like we're gonna resell it for. 2500 to three grand we're gonna have to put a little bit of work into it but he was fine he's like that's that's fine like i'll take 1500 bucks did you guys know that rolex is a not-for-profit i did know that yeah which is kind of crazy isn't that weird um i know you think it'd be for profit (laughs) i don't really understand how that all that works let's get back on track let's um let's continue on this nick i do want to hear more about the um watch um game and um specific watches maybe some other high-end stuff just because you know a little bit i wasn't even thinking that watching this movie that but that is super interesting i do want to hear more backstory because you were legitimately selling these high-end watches at one point um what year was kg's championship celtics ring Ooh, that's a good question 2005 six seven or eight um what is it one more time or eight Anything about this? What year did the Celtics win the championship? Well, this was his. This was his ring. He gives them. It's a uh, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008. <sighs> I have a hunch, but I don't know for sure. I feel like Trent should know better than I would. Trent Trent's is really trying to rack my brain um, here. Nick, you go first. For all the playoffs and all the championships. What'd you say? I'm going to rule out 2007 because we just had a question that had seven in it, but I feel like it's like five or six. Um, I'm going to go 2006. I'm going to go. You think I'm going to rule seven out because I had another question with a seven in it? Not necessarily because you love your, you love your C choices, but. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going for 2000. But I wouldn't rule out seven just because I had seven somewhere else. Just letting you know. But go ahead, 2008. Trent, Trent you Googled it, you ha. bastard. Nice. Okay. It's for all the marbles. This is for my $5. How much did Howard win before getting killed? Was that five? No, this is five. Steven, I'm going to win the fucking okay. money. I got this fucking bet. I guarantee oh, actually, I'm going to fucking ask you guys get this question, the fucking this money. Question, I don't think oh you guys are going to get it. gosh, Trent. I'm going to ask you guys all the questions. Because of Trent's should have said we didn't know it, right. goddammit. <laughs> what was the Opal's low-end corrected value? There was a range. Oh, I know uh, this. Uh, corrected range. He said... Oh. He came in. He thought that it was gonna be worth a million. They said corrected value. Um, there was a, a range. Something. So not to the something. auction. Okay. So not the auction. Okay. Value. What was the low not end? Not the auction right. value. Not it. This is the auction value on the card. But but not yes, well. Do, you see remember. the you see the the range of what is worth okay, okay. on the card. But uh, what its estimated value was. They put an estimated value on the card, so when you were bidding for it, you sort of knew what it, the ballpark. Uh, you're being tricky. You're being tricky. Million. That's why. Answering my question, but I know what you're doing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wait. What? What it's is the your question? I think range, I your question. It's, the it's not the, the. It's not what the it was sold the at range. the auction. No, it's what. No, it's what they. It's not. It's exactly. I got the card that he sees. It was. It's a. It's a range that they said. Not. Not for what they bought it for at auction. Um, it's the and it's the low end of the range, so 
there's a low number and a high number. This is the low number of what they thought it was gonna gonna sell for. This is the this is it's at least worth this much. Go, the auction says it's at least yep. worth this much. A hundred, a hundred and five thousand, hundred and fifteen thousand, two hundred and twenty-five thousand, or two hundred and fifty thousand. Wow, Again, six choices there. Huh? One hundred five. No, that's that's just four. What? All right, go ahead. It's one hundred five. Oh, you said one hundred. One. No, this is. No, I, I meant to say just one hundred five. This is the low end of the range. This is the this is how much it's worth. And the begin. Right, uh, this is it's at least worth this much. One hundred five thousand. One hundred fifteen thousand. Two hundred twenty five thousand. Two hundred fifty thousand. What is the low end of the range? I'm going. Right, the uh, low ones were one hundred five and one fifteen. Yeah. 105, 115, 225, 250. All right, go ahead, Trent. I wanted to be well, all over the board. He was pissed at the outcome. And I think he thought it was a million dollar ring or a million dollar rock. Rock. Opal. Opal. Yeah, sorry. Um, so I think he was pissed at it being like, I think he would have been pissed. Like, I think it was 225. That's my guess. Nick. Nick Jones. <sighs> But why would it be – here's my problem with that. Why would it be valued at 225 and then, you know, they're struggling to get, like, 200 for it? So I feel like it was between uh, – my gut was the low end was in the hundreds. The high end was in the 200s. I'm going to go – it's in the 100s. I'm going to go one f- 115. Mm, Nick, you dirty bitch. For all the money, baby. Is that it? 115. It was 115 to 225. Yes. That was the range it came down to. And you saw her. I love that scene where he's in there and arguing. And um, because he gets there and, and he's like, yeah, put her on the phone. Put her on the phone. And she's like, yeah, well, if you calm down, I'd, I'd love to get her on the phone for you. And then she calls and she's like, hey, you know. And I love I love her character because she was just trying to deal with this guy in the most polite way that she could. Um, but that you saw, there was a point where she calls, she says, Hey, is this appraisal? Is this appraisal accurate? Yeah. She says the appraisal is accurate. Let me get on the phone with him. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to hand you over. She's, she's like, what's going on with this? What's going on? She's like, yeah, you know, might I remind you, you brought this to us very, very last minute. We had our best gemologist look at this. This is what he appraised it for. I can either pull it or you can put it in as it is. She's like, I don't care with you. I don't even care if we make money. I'm just happy to be rid of you after this. But you see at the very end of that conversation, she's yelling at him, just going off on him like she's done with him. And he's like, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, thank you. He hangs up. He's like, all right. She said we could just go ahead and make a correction. We're going to take all these out. We're going to we're gonna put some new ones in. He's like, I'm going to help you out. She's like, okay, yeah, no problem. She starts calling. She, he's like, what, what are you doing, Colin? She's like, oh, I got to ask him. What so, did he actually? Oh, no, this is unrelated. Don't, don't worry about what it. What did he um, unrelated completely? I just selling he, it for at the auction? Well, that's the one of his bonus questions. I think um, the guy ended up buying it for 190, right? Uh, it was either like one. I think I think, Kevin, I think his father-in-law yeah. bought it for 190. Out. I think he outbid. Kevin wouldn't go past um, yeah, like 180. Him. It was either 170 or 180, and the other guy bought it for 190. But I really, I do. While we're while we're talking about it, because I know we're not going to bring it back up, but I'm getting my auto dealer's license. I've been to auctions in the past, and auto auctions. 
the the auctions will go through and they do this thing where they're like, oh, yeah, I've been with 300, you, yeah, Trent has been with me to the auction before. So they do auctions like that, right? And I've always wondered why, like, why can't there just be an auction like this? This guy was like, 100,000, 200,000. Good sir, yes. 300, welcome back, good sir. 300,000 in the front row there. Converse with your advisor, sir. Very good. 400,000. Yes, you say welcome back, sir. Can we sir. get a little it's higher? Good to see you as well. Can we get a little 400, more? Can we get a 450,000? Yes, converse. Sure. Yes. All right. Take a moment. Like, why can't the auction? Because be you're like, not, oh, Stephen. Because not you're not hard. going and to I, a classy I, establishment like this was. You, if you were going to a million dollar auction, it well, would be I also this think guy. they they have. If you're if you're at an auction where you have to get through a lot of items or products to sell, maybe they're like, we gotta fucking go through all of these. Where if it's just one, no, because I, I, I looked it up. I think it's it's supposed to um it's supposed to be a kind of um keep like things make, moving make faster and keep faster. bids coming faster. Kind of yeah, make a decision almost faster versus um and that sort of situation. It's like take your time, but. You can easily be like $100, 200 300 400 5 6 7 Even if people are raising their hands as quick as you say the number, you still don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Even at a car auction, you can just be like 20,000, 21, you want to do 21, 5, all right, 22, 22, 5, all right, 23, 23, 5. Like how fucking hard is that to like – yeah. I get, and I did research and like, it's, it's, it's some weird thing, but I loved looking at this auction and how this guy ran the auction it was so classy. You can say, welcome back. It says, converse with the advisor. Very good. Like, I just thought that, All right, let's get that extra so credit. Funny. Extra credit um, question. I've got a, I've got some other uh, extra credits, but let's just do one. That's my vote. How many carrots does he say are in the opal? Now he says, he says there's two different scenes where he says how many carrots are in the opal. This is how many carrots he says when he's sitting in the den with his family. And I say that because these the numbers that he say are drastically different. Yeah. He says one number to Kevin Garnett in the jewelry shop, and that's not the number I'm referring to. I'm referring to the number he tells when he's sitting with his family watching the game and in and, and the den. They're all smoking. The guys are in the den smoking. They're watching Kevin Garnett. He's like, this asshole took an opal from me, and they're talking about his opal. He says how many carrots it has. Is it 200, 400, 600, or 800 carats? Uh, it's tough because I remember him saying, like, these guys were good at math at the top. He's like, yeah, you know, it's several thousand a carat, and it's got this many carats. And they're like, oh, wow, $2 million. Or, like, they just, like, calculated it so fast. No, his, his, his father-in-law said, oh, that's over a million dollars. And but you could tell his father-in-law was a super intelligent guy yeah. that had a bunch of money that wasn't fucking around. He probably did. He probably could do that math that easily. Right. In his head. I don't. I don't doubt that for one minute. But you're right. He did immediately say, "Oh, that's over a million dollars." Yeah, it was quick. And I did the math, and it is over a million dollars. But all right, one more time on those answers. Two hundred carats, four hundred carats, six hundred or eight hundred. Um, I'm gonna guess six hundred. That's probably a good guess. I'm gonna guess four hundred. Nick, you got it right. C, baby. Last question: C, Ben baby. Wallace or Tony Allen? Ben Wallace versus Tony Allen. You hear? You hear Howard ask? Yeah. Kevin Garnett. I know this one. Ben Wallace or Tony Allen in a fight? Who does? Who does? Uh, Kevin Garnett say is gonna win that? You know, Nick. I don't. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just gonna guess uh, Tony. Yeah, Tony Allen. Good guess. TA all day, that's what he says. Hell yeah. <laughs>
I had some other questions. We're not going to worry about them, boys. Let's get into director of the cast. Let's do, do it. it. Director and the cast of Uncut Gems. We're going to be a little bit quicker with this one. We've been running this podcast a little bit longer tonight. But Uncut Gems, obviously Adam Sandler, but the I don't even know how to say their last name. These are brothers. Benny and Josh Safdie. Safdie? Safdie. 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 Yeah, that's just a guess. They um, are also the writers... I think with Ronald Bronstein, maybe I think Ronald actually may have uh, had the actual script and then he brought it to the brothers. I'm not exactly sure how that worked, but very interesting script, very interesting directing. I really did like how this movie was directed. It we was can, great directing. Um, great very cinematography. Similar, you know, great. it's similar to the Coen brothers. Yeah, and, I would agree with that. And and their brothers, like, I don't know, maybe me and Preston need to get together, direct some movies that are hard-hitting dramas, see if we can I think you do, unlock actually. That. They're also known for a film called Good Time, which is um, 2017, um, that I guess this movie kind of uh, got them launched. It says, after a botched bank robbery lands his younger brother in prison, Connie Nick Nikas embarks on a twisted odyssey through the New York City's underworld to get his brother Nick out of jail. So pretty much prison so they break. Also, they also wrote it. Um, did you say that, Nick? Or, Stephen, you might have already said that. But I, I think they helped write it, else. or they helped write the screenplay, but I think that other guy actually did the script. But they were the directors okay. for it um, initially. But let's move on, obviously. Let's talk about Adam Sandler. There is Julia Fox, but let's talk about Adam Sandler. Yeah. Let's talk about Adam Sandler. Ooh, he's got some uh, stuff coming up pre-production and post-production. The um, Waterboy, Water The Wedding Boy. Singer, Big Daddy, and Little Nicky. I've never seen Little Nicky Did, or uh, The Wedding Singer. You haven't seen those? Did IMDb change their like layout here? Steven, you should see those, dude. It's the same for me. You might be on a different browser. L- well, now little I have Nikki to like, I have to like slide through the movies. Not but, my favorite. Yeah, Little Nicky. It's not my favorite. Little Nicky's weird. Adam Sandler loves. Okay, so this is similar to Waterboy. The first time I saw Waterboy, I was like, "Dude, why is he talking like that?" Like, I, oh my I don't God, like Nick. his accent. You, Nick and then and, the second you, time I saw it, we would watch Waterboy every time. I thought it was hilarious. We went to like Panama City. You remember when we went to Panama City and we put it so, on the whole time we were there, just like when we were like what, in the car. No, no, no. We oh, had a we had you had it on VHS or something, I, Nick, because you would bring it I with you. That. And we would watch That's it so like funny. before we would go to bed or something. We love the Waterboy. So Adam Adam Sandler, I think, is one of those actors. So he's he's a little bit like he started coming on a little bit before our time. Like SNL. he came on, you know, in, in the nineties, late nineties. We were young kids at this point. So when he's starting to like peak and blossom, we were kind of at that like age where it was a little bit like inappropriate for us. And I remember being in fifth grade and like being at the lunch table with like Mitchell Aaron's and some of these guys. And they're like, dude, have you seen big dad or have you seen, um, Happy uh, what's the Billy, Billy Madison. And they kept quoting it. That was the funniest stuff. Cause this was around the time where like you could kind of get away with watching a PG 13 movie, but we were still in elementary school. <laughs> yeah, so it was like yeah, a little yeah. bit, a little bit risque. And then as soon as we got to middle school, I think it, there was such a, there was such a, 
like shock about his style of humor of like it really resonated with us because it felt like almost like we shouldn't be watching this like Mm -hmm. it's almost a little bit too adult but it was so immature and like funny for us at that age so I just remember when I was in middle school and even through high school maybe not as much high school I started getting into like Will Ferrell but like fifth fifth grade through eighth grade I thought I thought Adam Sandler was the funniest actor like on the planet <laughs> yeah, at this time I, I don't know that. about you guys yeah I would no, agree with that you Bear guys got me you guys him. uh you guys kind of got me into him because you guys would watch all the movies I really liked Big Daddy I remember one point when I was sick I was at home um when I was living in Texas with my parents and um I was really young I must have been like in elementary school um and I was like uh, that came out in 99, so that must have been a new movie. It must have been around 99 when I was young, sick in bed, and my mom was uh, – I was watching Big Daddy, and retro- in retrospect, I was probably too young to be watching this movie um, at the exactly. time, but exactly. I just uh, always loved that movie, and there's a Fritos scene in that movie. Every time I eat Fritos, I just think about Big Daddy. But you guys, we <laughs> when we went to – I think it was Panama City or Destin, Nick, I think yeah. your parents took us – um, we yes. all three went and we were all in a, in a room together. And I remember the very first thing that was on the TV when we walked in was Waterboy. We yeah, were all Waterboy, watching exactly. Waterboy oh, in, so in the, in our beach trip. And I remember like, cooler. I think that was the first time I saw it. And you guys were like both just kind of sitting in there just watching it. And I was, uh, yeah, that movie, I I still watch that movie to this day, and it's a super funny that Adam was, Stanley movie. I like his character in that movie. And he's, yeah, yes. it, right, like he's had all those just super funny comedy movies. It was it was pushing the borders. Like, I don't think I would let my daughter at that age just sit down and watch Big Daddy just because right. of the humor and the language. It's more adult. But, um, yeah, I think it, 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 it did kind of draw that line, and you could argue that's why he's so successful because – even like things like Mr. Deeds, um, that's more softened, but there's still some stuff in Mr. Deeds yeah. where it's like, you know, it might be a little. Be careful! Um, well, I would be I careful would walking it. down the frozen food section. Your tits will harden. You <laughs> <laughs> your nipples. Yeah. I do. Well, I would. I would. I would liken it to like what we were talking about Blink One Eighty Two, like off air earlier. That it, it's almost the time period of of when you're yeah. exposed to these artists or actors that like makes such an impact because I looked at him similar to like Blink One Eight Two at the time where it's like kind of an angsty time where it's like a little rebellious you're you're doing something you're not supposed to and not that Blink One Eight Two was like that rebellious but like they were all about like fuck high school and like yeah, punk rock. you know yeah, anti-establishment like very punk rock exactly and. And I kind of looked at Adam Sandler that way too, where he was kind of against the grain. He was saying the shit that like you weren't supposed to say. He was using bad language. He was like kind of this like playboy a little bit. He was like, especially in his early twenties, he was a pretty good looking guy. And um, I don't know. He's like drinking during the day. He's like acting out. He's really funny. And I just thought, I don't know, it was just the time period I saw this. Like, if I if I discovered him for the first time now in my 30s, that's crazy to say that I'm in my 30s now. But um, it, it wouldn't have the same punch that it did totally. as, like, a teenager. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, how about uh, we go into Julia Fox? She um, She's actually really famous. And I, you guys might not know this, but this is, like, a pop culture thing, like, on – the podcast called call her daddy. Uh, it's like a female. Podcast. Oh, she's on that. 
She she yeah, did know, an interview on that, that or listen to that. So so this chick I think got with Kanye West first of all. No. Yes yes. And second really? of all, she went on this podcast and talked about some stuff. But you should watch the clip. She's like she calls it uncut jams. She's like, and so it's probably when I was in uncut jams. Oh, I I saw that. I saw that clip. It went super I, when it went viral. Really? I did see that clip. Is it just very Valley Girl I, I the way she says it? Yes, very, very I find valley her girl. very annoying, and I could care less that she fucked a rapper. Kanye West sucks, anyways, in my opinion. But um, I what? she did she I, did do very movie. I feel like I do want to say I feel like she played. I, I did want to take that yeah, back. I feel like she played. Um, I'm offended. She, no, I I I because the, the thing is, at first I thought she was a really great actor, but. Now I think I after seeing jams. that clip and stuff, I'm like, I guess this is just how she talks, and that's just like. Well, no, the she way did good in this is. movie. I thought she did pretty so, good in this movie. I was but, like thrown off actually. Who, who, whoever she, she is outside of the movie, whoever she's, she is outside of the movie, I will say in this movie, I appreciated. Like I was almost analyzing her character a little bit more the second time around, where I was like, Yeah. Oh, she loves this shit too. Yeah. Like she's just and as she addicted. Wants the maybe maybe not in the same way, but like. <laughs> She, that, that scene where he's like texting her, like, go like stick your head out the window, bring me the money. And when she, like, she's almost the, the accomplice in like the, the classic, like jail heist or like bank heist robbery kind of movies where she's like, she loves the rush of rush of it just as much as, as he does. And when she's betting on the, or when she places the bet for him she's watching the game she's almost getting a little bit of that rush and addiction that he's getting where i kind of thought it was interesting where i could i was like if this progresses and you know if he doesn't die and they're going in <laughs> on the movie or on the bets together i could see i i was almost looking at that as like she hasn't she's this is her first like taste of it and she's gonna get addicted to the the gambling life too well you see what yeah what, what, i agree after she wins or after they win that bet, she calls Howard and she says, Howard, did we just win? She said, did exactly. we just win? Oh, that's, she didn't say, that's such a good point. She didn't that's say, such a good point. Did, uh, did you just win that she bet? She said, did we just win that bet? She wants her commission. And then she was just as happy as him because like she said, like you said, like she's with him and like she thinks that like they're going to be together and like, and they were. He was like, yeah, we're going to go take you on this trip. We're going to go out, do all this stuff. Like, I'm sure he was actually going to do all that stuff. And because he was, like you said, he was already going through all that crap. But yeah, it was very much her money. She felt it, like she was winning that bet. That's what she said. Did we yeah. just win? So let's, um, you're 100% let's keep going. right. Um, I want to talk about. Um, I know Kevin Garnett and The Weeknd were in it, but I don't think they were in anything this, else. This was their first time ever doing something. I do want to talk about Damani because I swear he's been in another movie that we've Oh, done. Get Out. He's been in Get Out. Get Out. That's what I remember yeah. him from. We haven't, we Knives, haven't Knives done out, get out. Get Out, Atlanta. Um, yeah, I had... Oh, Judas Judas and the, uh, the Black Messiah. That's what I had seen him from. That is a... That's a be- that I think that's a best picture or um, Isn't that a newer movie? have you guys seen Judas? Jude- it's-, it's a very recent movie. Yeah, it's 2021. Yeah. I I I think very highly of this movie. It's really fucking good. That's what I know him from most recently. Judas and the Black Messiah. That that has been nominated a lot of a lot of things. You guys should um you guys should check that movie out. Oh, um, he's um, yeah, he's good. 
Oh, wait. Is he in Ray or something? Because I swear, like, he's been in something that we've done. He's been in Snowden. Oh, he's in Atlanta. He's uh, he's Ed- Darius in Atlanta. That's where I, I didn't even realize that, but he is really funny in Atlanta. He's actually probably one of the funniest characters in this show, Atlanta. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Really, really funny show. Um, and he is Darius, and he is super, super funny. He really, I didn't even realize it was him. He really does ch- have a completely different character in this movie. Um, and it really takes you away. I guess his hairstyle too, but his, his character in Atlanta is super cool too. Like you, you really envy him as a character in in that show Atlanta. He is a really cool character. He's really super smart. There's this one episode where he says trade up and, um, he shows him how to keep trading his stuff, trading one thing for another and trading up. I've done a lot of trades before I've trade vehicles. I've traded up. Are you caught up on, uh, have you seen all of Atlanta? Sorry to cut you off. Oh, uh, I I don't think I've seen anything new, but I definitely saw the first couple seasons, and I and I'll always rewatch those. The first, first season was really good. The first I, the I first should, couple I, seasons I are definitely back. really good. I think it kind of trailed off for me, but I also think I watched it up until a point, and I don't think I watched it when the new seasons came back out. So I'll need to rewatch it. But if you guys ever watch that show, it is Trina, super it? super funny. There's so I've especially seen, like, since we're from Atlanta, like. It, there's a lot of nuances exactly. in the joke. Well, I just loved. I love childish. I love that it's childish Gambino. I think that's super interesting. Dude, and it's and yeah. he's so funny and so talented, and like you said, Darius is his second pretty much in that in that show, and and that's that's this guy that plays it, and that show is just really really well done. I think I have a lot of nostalgia just because I live in Atlanta, but. There's this one really funny, like it'll just do like funny scenes, like it'll it'll have the main show going on, but then it'll switch like to a commercial of Swishers, and they're like, "Mmm, Swisher sweets, the best Swishers you can get." And they're like breaking them down. They're like, "Mmm," and they're like taking all the tobacco out of it. They're like, "Swisher sweets, the best Steven. cigar you can get. Mm, they're That's real funny. good." They're like, dump that out. <laughs> Swisher pre dumps. It was just like this really funny, like sometimes little skits and within yeah. the show that are just fucking brilliant. So quick, quick, quick aside. Um, this is a little bit of an experiment. How how do you guys say ATL like the full name? How do you say it? Atlandra. I'm Atlanta? kidding. It's Atlanta. How do? You, but how do you, how do you normally pronounce it? Like in a conversation. Atlanta. I went to. You're gonna, I, I'm went to Atlanta. I went to Atlanta. Atlanta. Okay, exactly. So you're okay. So you're both. So. I noticed this the more I'm separated from Georgia. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's kind of known. Atlanta. But, and I was telling uh, people who aren't from Georgia pronounce it Atlanta. Yeah, I've noticed uh, And they enunciate Atlanta. the sh- that makes They sense. enunciate like, oh, you're from Atlanta. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm from Atlanta. Like it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Are you it's at an Atlanta N-N- right now? <laughs> no, it's Atlanta. not. I, I can. I can see the first T, but the second T is not pronounced. It's like an you know what N-N I heard recently slur, the, and this might be it's the same Anna. type thing, Nick. Um, Oregon, somebody was pronouncing it Oregon. How do you guys pronounce Oregon. it? Oregon. Yeah, uh, there, Oregon. there, there you, is you, a phenomenon say... with with the name of a town or the name of a city getting skewed because of culture dialect um, from the actual sure. from the actual. Because, like you said, yeah, I'm, I'm coming from Atlanta. Like usually you don't say the last yeah. T really, really pronounced and you don't pronounce the right. first T that, that much either. They, they make it Atlanta versus Atlanta. And yeah, I, yeah. I agree. It, I it, feel like if you're from I only here, you notice say Atlanta it. and if you're, if you're not from there, a lot of people say Dude, Atlanta. Dude, it's, 
it's so funny. Like when I hear people say it who aren't from here, because normally when I hear Atlanta, I don't even think about it. But when like, I don't even think that somebody's saying it wrong. But when I hear somebody enunciate it, I'm like, why are you saying it like that? And then I'm like, oh, no, that's actually how it's pronounced. But that's the same thing with like if you're from if you're from here, you say Colorado with a R-A-D, like a hard rad Rad. Colorado. Colorado because it's rad it's like a midwestern thing and then if you're not from here you say Colorado yeah interesting Um, and I feel so it's very evident if you're if you're local you can always tell the locals who who are natives here because they say Colorado oh interesting and I think there's there are phenomena about just the culture and everything with um how you say your city name yeah. you, sorry i didn't want to go too off topic but i thought that stuff no but that is interesting <laughs> um, we don't have to talk about it too much more but i did um enjoy keith william richards uh who played phil um he was the guy that was chasing him down getting really mad he's the guy that ends up killing yeah. him yeah. Mm-hmm. he played in um he plays a good uh six a blocks good, uh, famous henchman. little princess of new not not too much stuff um actually his first main one was uncut gems Interesting. He's got some new stuff coming out. Okay, really out, quick. Uh, I thought he did really I thought quick, he did good. How 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 dumb is Adam Sandler in that moment to think that after locking these guys in this in this hot box for like an hour that they're just going to walk out and be like, "Oh yeah, you won the bet, dude. So like, let's just go get your money. You'll pay us back. Everything and will be fine." And that's again and then the guy just kills him. He just shoots him. I right agree. In the face. You do think that, but the, the very first time I was watching it, um, you do kind of have like, tunnel vision with him. That you kind they... of, you kind of, I had tunnel vision with right. him. He's got that tunnel vision where all he saw was the bet, and he thinks that like these guys, there's no way they're gonna do anything to me. Like they know how much money I just won, but like. He right. did what he failed to realize was that he locked three extremely unstable guys who were really fucking pissed off at him, hanging it that hung him out of right. a fucking window. You just locked them in a fucking thing for an entire basketball game where they had to watch you talk shit to them and fucking watch this basketball game the whole time. <laughs> they're sweating in there. And There's you know no airflow. They're in there sweating, but like, yeah, he's um as soon as he comes out, and it's like honestly like poetic justice at that point because like not that he deserved it or anything, but it's like that's how that movie should end. It shouldn't end with Howard getting that big bet and leaving and going to continue right. to fuck his life up. Like it's just that's how that's that puts such a cherry on top of it, and and it goes back to the No Country for Old Men because it's not a happy ending and it's appropriate for it. I love that the, this movie didn't sure. have a happy for ending. Sure. It's just like you think it's a happy ending, and you're like, oh my god, and it's the soundtrack comes on that I love. That's that that score, and then like. He walks in, pop, right in the head. Then he fucking kills Arno. Arno Arno never wanted to kill him. Arno was in his family. He owed him yeah. for a lot of money. He did. He never wanted to kill him. And you could tell that at that point he was like, oh, fuck, I got myself into way too much shit. That guy ended up killing Arno too. And then they robbed the whole jewelry store and fucking like... But yeah, why, why he let him back in in retrospect is super dumb. You should like... I, he well, should have called the shows... police. He should have called the police or something. Right. At, b- at, at, right then, right then, called the police. I just think it, it it shows how kind of like delusional and how how focused he was on just the bet and the money and everything. Where he just thought like, yeah, he was almost he was almost just blinded by the fact that he won all this money that they were like gonna just 
walk down and take their cut of the money and he was going to pay him back and but i got to admit yeah. i anyways, kind of the I, very I very first time i watched that i was kind of blind to it too i saw him win and you even see arno's face you see all their faces and the music and they're all like very expressionless you see arno is kind of like wow but the other guy is just very expressionless they're all very the other two are very expressionless but yeah, you kind of, I, the very first time I watched it, I had that same tunnel vision with him because like, you're just watching it from his perspective the whole time and he's got tunnel vision for it. And then you're like, he walks in and he just pops it. He doesn't even, there's nothing that happened. He just walks in. First thing he does is shoots him in the head. I'm like, that ending always stuck with me. I was like, wow, that was a fucking yeah. crazy well, ending. Well, I think, and, and we can move on from this, but I, it, it really reminds me. And the second time I've seen this, I, I think I've appreciated more the fact that they really did a good job of depicting addiction. And yeah. it just reminded me of like, almost like an addict, like an alcoholic or a drug addict being like, no, I promise I'm going to change. Like I, I got, you know, I'm two days sober or I'm, I'm starting to like really work on myself. And I got this. It reminded me of, of that kind of similarity where it's like, well, no, everything's fine now. I've got all the money. Um, I'm going to pay off all my debts now and everything's going to be fine. And they're almost like looking at it like, dude, we know that you're just going to take this money and then just further dig yourself in a hole. Like, we don't believe you that you're actually going to take this money and pay us off. But but he has almost like convinced himself that like, oh, once I win this bet or I, or I pay off this guy, then everything's going to be fine. It's like, no, dude, you you don't even know how much debt you're in right now because you can't keep track of like how much shit you have that's just out there in debt. Um, but I, I don't know. I thought that was like kind of an interesting like telling scene. No, but that's yeah, good, no, boys. Let's let's move on to the favorite scenes, and we'll dig our feet in a little bit more. Let's dig our feet in the sand and grab a Corona. Let's do it. <laughs> and we're in that favorite scene for the magazines. Uncut gems. Uncut gems. If you're new to the Hypocritic Podcast, if you picked it, you kicked it. So if it's your pick on the movie, you're gonna you're gonna tee us off here. So Steven is up to bat. Steven, why don't you hit us hit us a nice little? We have got a very very. We got about a 566 yard par five. We got a dog leg left. Yeah, yeah, knock it. And it's about 260 out to the dog left. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Steven's my driver. Steven's gonna hit a nice little 125 yard drive for us. We're playing from the tips. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes, and this goes back to the comedy of it. I know you guys didn't think there was anything funny. I don't know how you guys didn't see this was funny, but the more I watch it, the more I think this is just hilarious. When uh, Damani brings him to the uh, Celtics practice. And uh, and Adam Stanley just goes, oh, watch this. He goes, hookies. And he he pops the ball. He runs up. He does a layup. He's like shouting, oh, he's taking it to the hole. He throws up and he's like jogging back. And Damani's just like already walking back in the VIP. I like that part. Hey, Damani, Damani. He's just, he's walking back, not even looking back. Like this guy is such a fucking embarrassment. I'm just going to continue to walk. (laughs) And he nailed the layup. Like, who are you? He's like, you saw, I know, but it's so funny, that scene where Adam Sandler just walking in. I feel like that's just Adam Sandler being Adam Sandler going into, and it's something like that. And that's why it's little parts of the movie like that. I just find Adam Sandler so funny. It's like Steve Carell. It's like 
you could put Steve Carell in that big short position and I'm still going to find the things he does funny and the nuances he does funny, even though he's super socially awkward in that movie, just because of Steve Carell and the way he delivers it and what I know about him from the past. I feel like there's that, there's that nostalgic with actors that we love. And Adam Sandler is just that one where even in a role like this, even in the serious scenes when he's being more funny, it's just more funny because it's Adam Sandler or Steve Carell and you love them and you've loved them and you know how funny they are. Um, I feel like, and I feel like just that scene specifically is just so funny when he just pops that ball out of someone else's arms. He doesn't have, he doesn't care about other people at all. He doesn't care. He's just him and what he, well, and it's it's so funny because he, he's so entitled and he's like, He's like, what the fuck, dude? You don't let me back in the locker room with you? Like, why wouldn't I be able to go back there with you? He's like, dude, can you imagine me just like, I'm already, I'm already, you know, trying to gain credibility here. And I just walk in the back of the Celtics locker room with this random fucking oddball, like Jewish dealer guy who has no, like, doesn't even look like he belongs at all. Like, of course, I'm not bringing you back there with me, dude. <laughs> like, I feel like he had every intention of bringing him back there until he went off and did that shit when he woke hookies and just went up with the. I feel like he was going to bring him in. And then that happened. And he's like, you know what? I'm not like I'm trying to keep an image here. And you're not going to be the guy that walks in with me. I'm not going to be the guy that they're like, oh, yeah, this guy brings in these fucking weird yeah, ass. Motherfuckers like I vouch and, for yeah, this pop guy balls and start fucking commentating like. He had, in that point, I mean, he had every right to completely ignore Howard. And that's what a lot of people, I feel like, around him don't do when he acts like that. They, they don't just go off to that, like, all right, I'm not with you anymore. You're, you're yeah, obviously, I don't even know you, you can't dude. handle this. I, don't even but know you. You I know completely what was understand weird? Was where like, he was coming from. Wasn't it weird that he had, it was weird that he was such an asshole, but had this whole family, this wife who wanted to marry him, these kids. And it's hard to believe. It's just like yeah. I, that's the most disbelieving. It's like yeah. I, I, you wonder part. how anyone could be like in his life yeah. for longer than the uh, long enough to know how crummy and how scummy he is like, before they just. He leave does him. get like, divorced. Let's, yeah, um, he does. But have, let, like, let's touch on his family really quick because the uh, this isn't my favorite scene, but a scene where I did almost feel bad for him when I was very very close to feeling bad for him at one point was when he's in the kitchen talking to his daughter, man, and I'm just sitting there like. One, like, fuck if I ever have a daughter and she can't put her phone down to have a conversation with me, I can see that being extremely frustrating. But when he's, like, trying to connect with his daughter and he's like, like, I want to tell you how proud I am of you. And I don't know, just as a kid growing up, like, not not to get, like, super sentimental, but, like, something that my dad always had a hard time doing was like telling me he was proud of me and stuff like that. And like, like showing affection and stuff. And, and, yeah. and granted it may not be completely authentic when he's like, I want to tell you how proud I am of you. And she's like, yeah, I know you already said it like five times tonight. There was a yeah, point of me. It was yeah, just like, yeah. dude, fuck you for like, he's trying here. He's trying to be a good dad and stuff. No, and, and, I, and I, I get disagree. it. I, I will. I got to disagree with you on this one because one, I don't think he's trying. I well, really that, don't. That's think the thing. Trying. Like, I don't I know if it's giving, authentic. I think but, he's giving the same bullshit bullshit that he was giving to his wife earlier. I think he's giving the same bullshit to his daughter and the daughter sees it. The daughter knows she, right. she knows mm. he's a piece of shit. She's like, she doesn't even, she already, she's already beyond the, point of like trying to work it out she's like i would rather just ignore you on my phone than try because she in my opinion 
he he is just it's the same thing with his kids. He's he's not in there putting his kid down like he fucking is he he's he's so he's so into dealing with this shit. He he didn't even watch his daughter's play. So he's every he's like yeah. I'm so proud of you for doing it. He didn't even see it. He was locked in his right. fucking trunk because of the bullshit he got into. He's not if he really wanted to be a family man, he would be a family man at home with his family. I, no, not. I get it. He, I get he's it. going out to that weekend thing that night. They're all staying at home. His wife is cooking some dinner on the microwave. His daughter just got home from the play. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go do this weekend thing. He's not a fucking family guy. Like, why the fuck? Why, why, right. It, I, it, I guess I almost... There's no I reason to like, defend him in that situation. I almost, like, believed him in the moment. And I guess that what, that's what makes him, like, his character mm-hmm. so interesting is I almost believed that he meant it. And part of me was just like thinking like oh come on like he, he's trying to give you a compliment you're not even listening but isn't it interesting now that i'm thinking about it his son almost looked up to him like he was cool like oh dad like you're gonna win so much money on this game that's so cool and it he, he, you know his his dad walks in there and he's right. like keep shooting your keep shooting your basketball like i'll let you dunk your basketball like his his son almost looked up to him because his son was into gambling and he's like oh I've, I've got some i've got some money no, on this gotta, game too but but isn't that interesting though that like his son almost looked up to him as he was cool but his daughter was like yeah you're a piece of shit like i see right through it yeah it's a good point no you saw you saw his son was the only one that he had a good relationship with yeah. in his family and yeah, his son was turning out to be just as much of a degenerate as he was. I mean, he was like gambling. He, like my dad, if I was telling him back then, oh yeah, I got like this much on a game. I'm sure my dad would have been like, "That's so stupid. You should not be betting on sports." Right. That's exactly what I would your tell allowance my daughter. Money is going. If she was that. ever doing that, I'd be like, "Listen, you That's should illegal. invest your money. You shouldn't be betting on sports. <laughs> you shouldn't be betting on all this stuff. Unless you're. I, I mean, I I don't think. I mean, it's okay if you want to do like uh money that you're uh, you can afford to lose. But like he was not betting money he could afford to yeah. lose. Right, he was right, betting right. all the money he it had. It just it just made me one bet three way parlays. You got to get the tip. Celtics got to get the fucking right. tip. If that tip goes the very first fucking game, the whole fucking bet's off and you're fucking already done. It doesn't even matter. It just made me a like, little. Even fucking matter. Yeah, the odds you get more money if he gets the tip right. and then the two other parlay. I know, but it would have been all over right there. Yeah, yeah. So you don't get less money. It just, it just made me a little bit, and and I feel like as a dad, you probably have to think that this is a reality of kids growing up with technology. But I had this like boomer moment where I was looking at this kid being like, "Fuck, man! When I have a daughter, she's going to be exactly like that. Oh, yeah. She's not going to be able to put her phone down and have a real conversation with me. She's going to be one headphone in." I disagree. Like, I mean, I'm sure you could raise your kid, this was, but this Steven, was all. This all stemmed. From his behavior, we don't know what it's like in the past, but I guarantee you it was more of, first of all, he, so he's going So you don't think it's going to be hard to get Braylon to put down wife. her iPad and, and have a conversation with you when she's older? You don't think she's going to be connected? No, I think we'll have to, a great relationship. I mean, I think there might be some parts of that, but the reason that she wasn't giving him the time of day was because he wasn't in her life. The the only re, the only person I get that. that he I get talked that. to throughout the day was his son it because me. he was so. But you but you know some another interesting scene because he's going through the divorce. The kids don't know about the divorce. He doesn't want to probably for image purposes. But the wife is like, I'm done with you. Um, she knows he's having this affair and, and he has got this other apartment um, that she's like living at. So they when they're when he has to stop by that apartment on the way back. The kid's like, I got to use the bathroom. And he's like, no, you can't use the bathroom. And he's like, the mom's like, no, why, why can't, why can't he go like, let him go use the bathroom. She wants them to like, find out. She's like trying to like, let them see how uh, much of a piece of a shit their dad are. 
and and then then you see after that scene his son is like feels differently towards his dad like this person that he always looked up to and like and you at the very end of the movie he's still excited my my dad knows that guy my dad knows that guy but like you see he lost respect for his dad after he came out of that uh he he like had lost respect for him and they don't know they're getting a divorce at this time they think they're fine but like little do they know they're in the in the process of a divorce and you know it's because he's not fucking there for his family like they have every right to be that way too yeah so you guys are in my you guys are kind of proving my point he's he's fucking doing all this other bullshit you guys are kind of proving my point where i started out where it it makes that's the most not believable part is that he'd be like this good family man guy or or he would even have a family to begin with like the fact that he even got far enough to have a family when he's such an asshole um, but my favorite scene I would probably say is yeah. any of the, any of the film where they're in his little, um, shop, I thought all those scenes were really good. Cause they, and that's one thing I will give this movie, like no problem. They did a great job making you feel uncomfortable the whole entire movie, especially yeah. the scenes where you're in his shop because, and I, I heard something about this where they filmed something where he was like, it was like a handheld film every time he was in the back of the shop but when he was actually in the shop it was more the the film on the camera was always on a dolly or something like it was always set up um uh-huh. than just being handheld and they like added to the chaoticness of both uh ways they were filming it but every every scene with like kevin garnett or people checking out the jewelry or the guys like uh trying to come get him for all his money i thought all of those were done really well and really filmed really well and how chaotic and just, you know, uncomfortable all those scenes felt. I thought those scenes were good. Also, the auction scene was really good. I thought the auction scene was, like, entertaining. Yeah. Real quick, I want to talk about this scene. Um, um, I, I really enjoyed um, not only watching all the sports betting stuff, but another thing I found myself really enjoying was the family dynamic. And I love a big family where a big family comes together and they're all at one house and they're all having fun, being loud, laughing. I love that atmosphere. And that's the atmosphere they had there, kind of, you know. There was obviously some issues within the family, you know. Mm-hmm. His um brother-in-law, his, his father-in-law is, like, you know, helping him out with money and stuff. And his... um his brother-in-law is like Arno that has been a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars in debt to him right now. And he's trying to get his money back. So they're in the same family. You don't realize they're in the same family until you see him in that family scene. And he's like, Oh, you're you're not so not so tough without your friends around. Are you? Yeah. You fucking pussy. And then he goes away. But, but other than that, I really thought that that was really cool seeing like a Jewish family or, I'm sure not every Jewish family, but this this specific Jewish family, mm-hmm. and I'm not Jewish, so I've never really gotten to see into that culture too much. So seeing this movie was super interesting. Seeing that, um, I really loved all those scenes when they're smoking and they're watching the game in there, and like all the girls are talking and they're all having fun, and all the guys are in there, all you know, having fun smoking, talking about sports stuff, and you know, I think that's really cool. I, I would love to have a bit, you know, big family where we all got together and did stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I thought another funny scene was when they all, they're all having a dinner and I guess it's some kind of Jewish, um, uh, tradition. Um, I don't know what it is. I'm not making fun of it. I just think it was really funny, mostly because of Adam Sandler delivering these words. But, um, she goes, or he goes, Howard, you read the plagues. 
and like translated from Hebrew to English. And he's like, all right, mom, like, ma, you do the English. Ma, you do the Hebrew. He says, okay, my dear, I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the Hebrew. She starts doing, she's like, dom, he says, blood. And they do something. He says, Shvika, she's frogs. <laughs> and then he goes, lice, boils, <laughs> wild animals. And then these are all followed by uh, this, this Hebrew words, you know, locusts, darkness. And then at the, the, the very last one, he says, death of the firstborn. He said, hardcore, that can still happen. Okay, watch out. Like talking to all the kids. But I don't really know what that was, but... <laughs> Adam Sandler <laughs> saying those words after 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 these Hebrew Hebrew words to me just this last time I watched it I found that so funny cuz you just see him say he says blood frogs boils like these really weird words that are being converted and they're doing I don't know what they're doing but it was very interesting I thought I was very, I've never been in a had a religious um, I mean, uh, Catholics and stuff and, and Christians will like pray at the table, right. sometimes like say a blessing over food. Um, I've never seen anything like that where like yeah. you're getting the book out and you're doing that. Um, I, I don't know if you guys ever, you guys ever, I mean, I've been to a bar mitzvah, things like that. Yeah. And a bar I mean, mitzvah. I've yeah, seen some I stuff. have some exposure to stuff like that, but I get what you're saying. It's not something, you know, growing up where we grew up there, you know, not a ton of ton of that. I mean, there's definitely Jewish families and yeah, there some was diversity, a lot, but but most most I thought most the whole the... family dynamic was funny and cool though. I thought it yeah. was uh, I thought that was a uh, interesting point. Not his personal home, but right. like the whole collective family together. Yeah, um, and like all doing so, sitting around the table and stuff. Funny, that was funny cool. story. Actually, when they started reading the, uh, I, I'm gonna butcher it, but they they started, and I'm not even gonna try actually, but they start reading that that <laughs> famous line from the Torah, and it's something when you, uh, when you go to a bar mitzvah. And that, that's like the party, you know, I, I know enough about it where like, that's the day you become a man and you have to read from the Torah and you have to, you have to speak that line about like Baroque, Adonai, something. Um, I remember that line from both like the bar mitzvahs I had been to, but there's also a Hey Arnold episode where Harold, Harold has to go um, to his bar mitzvah and he has to remember the, the, the lines and read it from the Torah that's funny. and it's that same it's that same that same scripture passage from the, the get Torah. this man a job in journalism people this guy's bringing up some deep Harold Harold from, from, hey from people will know this scene from uh, Hey Arnold and Harold trying to go to the bar mitzvah and he's really struggling to to pronounce it I just remember when they're rolling up the the bean they're rolling up the pizza dough like a sleeping bag okay when Stinky was able to roll up the all right guys I have a couple more scenes. Uh, let's let's jump through these. Um, I thought another really really funny scene. He don't really realize this till later, but those those two guys that came up to him on the street. They're these guys that come up to him on the street trying to hey Howard, you owe me money, and he's like, oh yeah yeah, you know like you know he's giving him the runaround. These two like guys, they look very similar. They're like twins, and they're like these like older guys like balding, the white hair. I, I, I wish you guys would know what I'm talking about. These two white, these two guys that keep coming up to him. And they're so funny because the very first time you see him, he's like, oh, what, did you bring your muscle? And he's like, yeah, I did. And like, it's pretty much just as a weakling of a guy that is uh, – they both look exactly the same. I thought that was a really, really, really funny touch. I just uh, – I found myself laughing every time those two guys kept coming to ask Howard. And another, um, another little funny th- scene was um, – 
or a funny line in a unfunny scene when they're put when they're taking all Howard's clothes off and they're throwing him in the trunk of his car at the school play. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arno's just sitting in the truck or the car and they're like, uh, they're conversing about something. And all of a sudden, Arno's just like, I want the underwear. Yeah. <laughs> like, pulling the underwear off. I just thought it was watching it for the, like the fourth or fifth time. I'm just like, I, th- I found those little funny scenes. Like the, the chaoticness is going on and it can really like put you in like, Oh, the stressful scene. And then there's little things like that. I want the underwear. Give me the underwear. Like just a completely unrelated thing. That's just there. I, I feel just for like a little bit of a comedy effect at the very end, just to get that. And then, um, yeah, Steven, yeah, I, just, I think it's because you've seen it thought, like four like or five got, times on the stuff I didn't really catch. But this is what that's. I'm just trying to explain all the comedy scenes specifically that I saw. Obviously, I love um, the little the whole aspect of the door not working, like the door buzzing, and he's trying to get the door, and Kevin Garnett's in there, and he's all pissed off that you know he didn't get. That's his how they made it. And he's like trying to get him in. I saw a thing. That's how they made it more there. uncomfortable. They they like purposefully put sounds in that people. It's more stress. It's more. But they would do that. They would do the like they would do cars honking. They would do the buzz of that. They would do him hammering it. Like they did noises. Stressful, stressful noises. noises specifically to yeah. be more stressful in this movie. Yeah. Which is really why you have to disconnect. And that's why I told you guys, like, really disconnect from this movie. Because that's why I feel like it was more successful for me. Because I kind of stood back and I was like, I'm not going to get involved. And, like, so many movies like this, like, especially, like, Nocturnal Animals or something, like, sometimes you can get so involved in it and it's, like, it's scary. It's, like, yeah, a lot of times, like, you almost want to just step back and, like, be almost kind of make yourself numb to it. Just because, especially in a movie like this, it's just nothing but a downfall. But... Yeah, that's pretty much it with my my favorite scenes. I will say this is kind of a side thought. There, there's a part of that lifestyle that's really stressful, but it's also kind of that like New York lifestyle that in a way is almost like it seems cool where it's like you're just go, go, go. You're constantly working. You've got a lot of deals you're working on. You're busy. Everyone's like moving fast. Like on one hand, that seems like a really stressful lifestyle, but I don't know, working in business, there's times where like I'm slow or things are a little bit, you know, like just not going very fast paced. And sometimes when I watch movies like this where I see them, they're like, hey, fuck you. I, you know, I got a call. Call me back. What do you want for it? Like $20,000, make it happen. Click like, all right, what do you want? What do you want? Uh, What do you got here? Oh, you want this? You want that? Like, yeah, there's there's a part of me that's like, it's an excitement of of like damn they're like making deals they're like getting business done they got places to be they don't have time for bullshit there's a part yeah. of that culture that's like kind of cool to me but I know also mean. just like burn you out at the same time oh yeah but, it's it's well, also stressful. i will say there's that one there's that one scene where um he's trying to get in contact with kevin garnett's uh people and he eventually gets through to this woman at the same time that kevin garnett is showing up to the place yeah but right before he sees Kevin Garnett, he says, he's on the phone with her and he says, listen, my name is Howard and, um, you know, I'm about to make things very, very difficult for you. Um, yeah. you know, and he's like, I'm going to go to the police and my lawyer and then, and then all this stuff. And he's being rude to her. And like, he says some kind of like, he's, he's cursing and probably saying some slander or words to her. And 
Um, you just hear, and then as soon as then he sees, then he sees Kevin uh, walk in, and you just hear her on the phone. She's like, first of all, maybe you should back it up because you're starting to really sound like a fucking asshole. And I really love that because I feel like most people in business like wouldn't deal with that right. shit. Like if someone called me and I'm the high end attorney of Kevin Garnett, like I'm not taking that shit from any motherfucker calling me. Like you, you're going to call me, you better be respectful or I would, you, you probably might get hung up well, dude, on, just by me. I, I, I relate to this so hard because again, I, I used to sell watches and I used to specifically deal with jewelers that were like these old school, like Russian, really thick skin, try to push you around. Even these guys from Wall Street. And sometimes if they smell blood in the water and they can tell you're a little bit of a pushover, they'll just keep like fucking with you more. And I'm not a very confrontational person, but there is definitely times where like guys would just like start to like try to be really aggressive with me. And I had to really stand my ground. And they almost respect more when you're like, Okay, if you if you think it's if you think it's worth that, like, then go go sell it yourself. Like, what are we even doing talking about this deal? Like, clearly, you- and Nick, you were talking about dropping the robe that that yes, that, exactly that style, and that's exactly. where and that's where you have to be. You have to know your number. You have to know what it's worth, and you have to just be like, yeah, I agree. And like, I'm selling a bike right now online, and it's funny because like. I'm going to be selling more cars through once I get this license and I'm sort of dealing with these people that are lowballing me and like yeah. they're trying to explain why like I'm not offering the right price and I'm like dude go get one like look but on the marketplace it's, it's, I don't it's see so them, but funny. like I'm sure you can find one for that price but like it's like it's one of those things where it's like just you drop the rope and just say yeah then go yeah. you buy that like have dude, fun what, what's so this funny is, this is, is what like, this is worth for me once once you kind of like establish that like middle ground with them and you're like it almost feels really confrontational at the time, and then at the end of it, they're like, "All right, yeah, I'll buy it for I'll buy it for six. Like, mail it out tomorrow. How, how's your How's your mother doing?" For six the entire time. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you, yeah exactly. A lot of people in those situations, especially in those areas, and like, I feel like the North is different than the South. I feel like people in the South are more, and I'm, I'm obviously stereotyping, but like, I feel like they're more. It's true. They they're not they're not as aggressive in this kind of situation where I feel like people from the north or or just there's certain people in general there could even be from the south but just have that style of sales where they're going to be really really aggressive and try to be intimidating try to be like well you know this is worth this this is worth this and try to give you every reason it's not worth that where you already as a sales as a good salesman would know yeah Hey, I well, know my product. The, I know what I have. It's 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 verified. Yeah. I know what it's worth. You're not going to bullshit me. You can try all day to be aggressive, but I'm, you know, like, yeah, you just got to well, stay. The, in your the, the, the part point. that would always crack me up is like, I feel like I was having a heated argument with them. And then once we'd finally agree to a price or I would stay firm at a number, they were like, all right, you got me. I'll wire over the money. Like, <laughs> how's your mother doing, by the way? Give her a kiss on the cheek. Send it out tomorrow. I'll call you tomorrow. It's like... I, what the fuck? And, we, and were just, we were just, price, we were just, they, they were just arguing. We were just really just, aggressive. And, yeah, and it's you, like we were just arguing, and now like, you're like, now you're like really friendly to me. It's it's the weirdest culture because it's like, to to us in the south, that would feel like an argument. Like you're having this really tense conversation. It feels awkward, but it's almost like they will they will push that awkward, uncomfortable feeling just to get a hundred dollar discount, and they'll get as much of a discount as they can. And then once they finally agree to a price, they're almost like. All right, good game. I love you. Talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, I'll give you a us. call. <laughs> I mean, there's the people that'll go to a restaurant and just complain about the food, even though there's nothing wrong with it, just yeah. to try to get something. I mean, there's always going to be people like that that are, um, 
you know, trying to, you know, get more than it's worth and everything. And like, I feel like transparency is so important nowadays with sales. And I feel like the, the intelligent consumer knows when they're being pitched to immediately. And it's almost like you can't even pitch anymore. You just have to have a good product and they have to come to you. That's literally what you have to do now. It's like to be genuine, you just have to know what you have, have a good product, have it at a fair price yeah. and have gotten it at a good deal. And that's just, um, I feel like the market is changing a lot to where it's like, now, a lot of times, like if I'm, you know, I follow a lot of people for business advice and I, I watch them, how they run their business, their processes and everything that goes into being successful. And um, a lot of the information is good, but it's really easy to point out, oh, this is an advertisement for a course, like super easy to point it out. There's a million courses on everything, but there's also a million ways to learn it without going through the course. So right. um, it's really like apparent when you're being like pitched to. So I think um, That's, I think sales are just going to sort of change in the future. Being well, I want to like I want to get trend in the, here. The more but intelligent consumer, Stephen, you're you're exactly proving my point as to why I think that it was to me it was so apparent that Kevin was being pitched to about this Opal. Like the it it to me it just did not feel and we don't have to rehash this, but to me that's why like I felt like it was such an obvious pitch like. Here, watch my video of these guys finding this thing, this rare no, no, no. thing. And like, I agree. I, 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 I felt like it was exactly totally why it would come off like that. pitch. I could see exactly how it could come off like that, but Steve was I like, "You don't get the rock, though, dude. Th this rock, man. Even this though it opal, might not have man. come off as as accurately on the camera, the for the movie's sake, for the script's sake, it was just an enthusiastic." Howard was genuinely not trying to sell him that he was genuinely just as excited because he was super excited. He, he was that excited about the Opal that yes, he just yes. ended up getting Kevin Garnett just as excited. And Kevin Garnett actually has money and was willing to buy it. So I, I do agree. It does right. look like a sales pitch. And, you know, you see, whenever you see someone pull out their phone and try to show you a video, it's like almost like exhausting. I felt like a UNICEF like, commercial. Like, look at these dying children in this village that uh, really need help. And I don't know. It just felt weird. What, Trent, I feel like you got some meat on this bone. I, I, well, I was going to go back to the... Trent, I can't the, hear you. Oh, we can't hear oh, you. Oh, my bad. I, I, I was going to say, I was going to go back to the where, where Stephen was like, there's not... there's more pushy guys in the north than there are in the south and i just had a thought that because i had a pushy guy in south carolina who was like really trying to recruit me for a job like hard and he was so pushy the whole damn time and I, at one point i just had to be like if you need an answer today the answer is no and then right when i said that the guy was like oh no no whoa whoa wait like it's all good like i'm yeah. your friend i'm your buddy like i'm your yeah, buddy man like we're gonna work this out you can you can have all day tomorrow till like like he, at that point, he finally was it's just called not being so pushy. Breath. Trent is a highly sought after, high demand CPA. CPA. You're not going to get this guy anywhere. This guy was trying to. That's get That's not Trent. the point I'm trying to make. I'm trying. Did he even get you? I'm no, just, no. I went with no, a different. No, but it's one of those company. things. It's like I hated know, it. I didn't want to work with someone is being aggressive. And, I didn't want to work you're with you're repulsed by it. And a lot of people, I, a lot of people just. I didn't want to. Yeah, exactly. The thing about it is, there's such a big population of people that are not confrontational that will roll over and that will be like, yeah, all right, calm down. Like, yeah, well, you know, we'll figure something out. And like, because people are that aggressive, I feel like it works on, it works on some people. And then like for other people, it's just like, I specifically like, you know, purposefully kind of like, did not want to give him a commission. I was like, I specifically don't want this to work out, but I do want a job. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> at the same time. But fuck this guy. He's so annoying. I think I was telling you about him, Nick. Oh, you you told me plenty about him, and I and I was laughing because yeah. I know exactly. You told him he's. I know he's probably exactly the type. To the pod, bro. Well, dude, it's just like Stephen <laughs> was saying. I mean, if you have a product or service that you're confident in, you don't have to be. There's a way that you can be strategic, but you don't have to be so desperate. And to me, the most sleazy, terrible salesman. Like, yeah, you could get you could get a deal like a car car salesman by like pushing somebody hard enough to say yes, but at the end of the day, like. Either that's good, like there's a good chance that product's gonna get returned, or that person's just gonna leave with a bad taste in their mouth. Like, almost the less desperate you seem, it's almost like dating or or something somewhere in life. Like, yeah, yeah, girls aren't attracted to desperation. They're not gonna be attracted to the guy who's like clearly pushing themselves on you. They're more attracted to the confident guy who's like, I don't need to be with you. Um, you yeah. know, it's it's almost that like quiet confidence that I feel like is is similar in sales or or, or um, in life where it's like, I'm so confident in my product, I don't need to push it on you because other people are gonna want it. Um, yeah. So yeah, the I value. mean, there, there's lots of, yeah, the, the value's there. There's lots of takeaways, but um, Steven kind of stole one of my, f- the only scene that I thought was thun- funny, one of the only scenes that I thought was funny was when he was naked in the trunk and his wife came out to find him and he like tried to play it off like, oh no, it's fine, everything's good. like. I got my. And also, where yeah, I don't know. Okay. Where did he it's get okay. his? Did Thank he, you. he? He just I'll had. I'll be it, back in in a minute. Steven, he just had an extra pair <laughs> of. Like every day. He just had an extra pair of clothes in the back seat of that car or in the trunk, just somewhere in that car. He he just found an extra pair of clothes. Also, what I want to know. They both have a key, a key fob for that vehicle. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Howard yeah. has a key. Yeah, Howard has a key fob, and they're able to get him in the I'm trunk. I'm going to have to dock it a half star for his that. His wife is able to come out and unlock it with her key fob. It's a really nice Mercedes. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, that's what they, they offer. They have it on there. You can each have chain, a key. Right? Yeah. My, my so Mazda fucking rich. Did. You're like, fuck it. We're, we got keys everywhere. My Mazda came with God, I would love to key. have that kind of money. God, I would love to have that kind of money. But uh, A good scene. We... Uh, of One more ahead, one more scene because it puts a cap in it. The one really good scene, even though it's a little morbid, but when he gets shot, I mean... It's, there's a bit of a resolution there. It is a great ending. I think just because one, you're not really expecting it, even yeah. though you should be expecting it. When I first watched it, I wasn't exactly expecting it. And then I saw it and I'm like, oh my God. And then like, it shows like his son celebrating and like the girls celebrating. No, no one ever, you don't ever see anyone find out. It's just showing them celebrating because they're all happy and like, you know. Yeah. He and he was super happy right before, and then like, yeah, it just he just gets right shot in the in hands and the guy ends up shooting Arno. Boom and like, headshot. Th- that's another reason I love this movie is just because it's not a happy ending and it's just appropriate for it. Just like No Country for Old Men, it was another movie where at the end of it you're just like, and just um, I would say what is that movie that I chose for um, God, uh, what is it called the the, the Halloween movie. Um, uh, hereditary. Yeah, hereditary. <laughs> hereditary <laughs> just had such a bad ending, and it wasn't good. And it was like that's how. I mean, obviously that movie was never going to. That end movie good. was. That movie started bad and ended bad, but this was the same thing. Just bad decision after bad decision, and you think, oh, he's going to do something good. No, right back to the pawn shop. Right back to the bet. Right back to the bookie. All right, Stephen. Oh, crazy, crazy! We already lifestyle. know. The, we already know you're gonna rank it. But let's get into the rankings. Oh, you know it's gonna be Nick. Are you kidding me? 
He's now watched it five times. He's setting it up to give it five stars. The whole time he's been all over it. Now I I don't. This isn't like uh, my favorite movie by any means. Um, but when when we're going through talking more just about um, you know when we were talking No Country for Old Men, these movies that make you feel really uncomfortable, that make you. Uh, cringe that are really just you know that that kind of make your hair stand up on end um i find it interesting and i find like for me this is one of those movies that i can watch again mm. you know i feel like there's a lot of movies like this like hereditary i'm never gonna watch again nocturnal i'll never watch again no country for old men i might watch it again once i've forgotten the plot you won't watch this nocturnal is one of those again movies that mm. Maybe one day when I forget the plot, I'll give it a, I'll give it a retry. <laughs> but I think at this point, and maybe the same with Hereditary, I would just have to completely forget the plot and know that it really did scare the shit out of me. Oh, much. I'd never watch. Hereditary and like I would want to, I would want to be in a position where I wanted to be scared. But this is a movie where I just I found myself watching it more, and definitely a lot because of the sports betting. And I like that. I like learning about the Diamond District, even though I'm not interested in that at all. I don't own any jewelry. I don't care to own any jewelry. I just I do find like sneak peeks into those parts of life that it's a whole life of its own and like you know a bunch of different people in that industry is making so much money and it's like how are you making that kind of money out of a shop that's you know like 50 feet by 50 feet you know like it's crazy and you know crazy gamblers they're going you know putting crazy amounts of money on one three-way parlay one six-way parlay where you have to hit all of them just to make it hit which is like pretty much making six bets that all have to hit i mean that's kind of crazy for me i I see why people do it they they want to you know make money and have fun but uh it's just a lot i'm like man this is a a lot of money you could lose more people lose money than make money in those but i will say when i i i'm gonna get in my review you guys want to go ahead and get your reviews yeah i thought you had been all right, so I thought this I'm was gonna, it. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, right. I just wanted to what make sure. was all that? So if it when wasn't. I first saw this movie, it was just a, <laughs> it was very much that shock value of seeing Adam Sandler and this kind of drama movie. His character being such an asshole, such a degenerate. You don't really expect it, and similar to Steve Carell in The Big Short, I just love seeing a comedian actor like this kind of go off and do drama and i feel like will smith sort of did the same thing and we saw him go from fresh prince of bel-air being this really funny guy and you see him and you know i am legend and it's just like wow like this i think uh adam sandler did a great job in this role even though you didn't relate to the guy you hated the guy the whole time um trent i guess you're a voucher for them you're kind of on his side for a little bit until like you know you you sit back and see the whole picture and you're like wow this guy's just a piece of shit and like and it's just really interesting watching that downfall. I think it's so interesting a movie. So many movies, it's like, oh, a problem happens. You got to have a find it, figure out the problem, happy ending. Like that's so many movies or a biopic where you kind of know the outcome. But a movie like this, that's not a true story. It almost seems like a true story. Yeah. It's like this could be a true story. Very, very in, in very real life. It could have happened somewhere in existence. Something like this happened. Um and that's what was so fascinating for me. The I love the intro and this and the score, and just zooming in. And I I think that, especially for an independent film, like it really, I think I, I just feel like it did a really good job for what it was. 
if um and it was a high stress movie high anxiety movie and i and there wasn't one point where it was it there was a couple points where it was definitely mellowed down but there was still um you know arno's over here even though the family's having a good time arno's over here putting you know tension in the situation and there was always a bunch of tension just for something that Howard did and you never got away from it I feel like as a viewer for the first time you're really hoping he's going to get away from it and you're just it's non-stop of him not getting away from it going in the opposite direction and I, and I feel like there's not that many movies that are like that that just are pretty much the start going downhill and that end in the fucking depths of hell and that's right. kind of where this movie went the whole time. It was just a downfall the whole movie, and um, I really, I really thought it was interesting in that aspect. I'm my my rating. I'm not gonna go five, hmm. but I'm also not gonna go four. I'm gonna go four point <laughs> five on this one. That sounds about right. And there it is. I think that sounds about right. I just think I think now I think Adam Sandler's acting was just so good. Now the accent wasn't consistent, but I'm glad because I wouldn't have wanted to listen to that accent the whole time, but I did enjoy when it kind of came up as like, you know, a little bridge or a chorus or something like in a song where <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's funny to listen to, but you don't want to hear that shit the whole time. <laughs> Nick likes that reference. <laughs> Nick likes that. But I will say, um, and, and I came in here actually going to give it a four stars, like a but nice. I, I think more too, just for seeing it like as like a whole, a whole picture. I think it really, really was well done. Um, just from beginning to end. And just, I feel like, like, well, Adam Sandler was just really able to like kind of go in a new direction and um you know we'll see some you know we'll see some new dramas like that he he came out with Hustle but I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of this side of him than the comedy side. Steven <laughs> comparing the the tactfulness of Adam Sandler's choice of accent to a, a chorus or bridge in a song that's just <laughs> that's quite that's just an amazing comp. I love that. I think so that much. I think no, that just goes to show you how you much Steven loved this movie. You need something to sound different. You can't have the same thing the entire time. You needed to, you know, kind of maybe sometimes be this, this accent, sometimes be and like it's funny, but it's annoying. So I feel like even him, he's probably like, I don't want to do this the whole time. This I mean, movie I'm not saying that he did really, that. Maybe it wasn't intentional at all. Everything about it, it just feels like it resonated with Steven and and just the oddest way for for me to like here now back and, and that's podcast. exactly why i chose this because you guys were choosing <laughs> movies like i so I, I didn't i didn't have like a nocturnal animals i didn't have like uh i didn't mean? have this like, is like uh, an extremely dark a no country for old a, men this is a similar movie though this is a dark drama no that's what i'm saying i wanted to bring a movie like this because oh, okay. you guys had i i never chosen for the podcast yeah, a yeah. Movie this like is this. out there I think, for you i think yeah, for i think for movies guy. like this that make you feel you're uncomfortable that make you feel <laughs> that make you have that anxiety <laughs> like this is one of those movies that yeah, i tend to I go that. to yeah, you're more because you're more it's not as stressful Disney. you got the sports you got the funniness you got the family camaraderie it's like you it's stressful but there's i feel like there's some leeway a little bit in it it's. I feel like it's one of those movies. I just wanted to kind of give my version of that pick. You know, Nick had No Country for Old Men last week. It kind of inspired it because of the the ending ending uh, appropriately bad. So that's the main reason why I picked this. But I typically don't love movies like this, and I typically won't even choose it for the podcast just because I'll usually watch them once and then you know another movie I was thinking about choosing recently that was similar is Sixteen Blocks. I don't know if you guys have ever seen 16 blocks, no. but it's with, um, no, I, I forget. 
It's it's with uh, I forget who the actor's name is. Big actor and uh, uh, I forget. He's taking this guy that is. Um, yeah, you've told me about this. He's a cop and he's taking this. He's taking this guy that is um, being tried. He's on trial, but cops in the city want to kill this guy because he's going to testify against the city. And uh, Bruce Willis is the main main character. He's trying to get this guy 16 blocks across the city safely from these cops, shooting these cops down and shit like that, trying to get him. Another stressful anxiety movie that um, uh, not crazy in love with, but like for the movie, it is a really good movie in that lane you know right. in that lane it, it, i think in this lane of movie this is a solid solid version so Trent, you want me to go second i'm just making sure steven's done <laughs> oh i'm done thank you i feel like i've yeah, Nick, cleaned up a lot you want me to get in there second yeah why don't you get in there second all right um Nick, why don't you get in there second so i've already aired a lot of my uh Laundry. My criticisms of the movie, his inconsistent accent, which, I, again, I just think is so funny that so it's like you know you, you don't need all the accent, you need a little bit of it, like a little chorus, a little solo, you know, just a little, a little bridge. bridge. Just throw a little bridge. Um, I just love he's 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 finding inconsistencies and <laughs> in making them. Uh, it's it's glass half full all over this movie. I love it, but um, I'm optimistic, guys. He is, especially with his picks. So I've already I've already said his his accent. Um, my honestly, my biggest gripe with this movie is this magic rock, and you call it what you want—an opal, a fucking gem, a whatever. I just, I thought it was a little bit. I, I get suspension of disbelief, but I just thought it was. I could have done without it. Just give me, just give me something that's more like tangible that I know is real that I can see a high celebrity athlete falling in love with more than this magic rock. And I would have been a little bit more bought in. I will say the second time I saw it, I understood what the movie was trying to do. So if you were going to judge it on my first time I saw it, I would have, I would have, I would have been stillered the fuck out of this movie. But the second time I've seen it, I will say I like, I like analyzing a villain, a psychopath, somebody who's like down and out. This movie, for what it's worth, is like in my wheelhouse. Like I, Steven's always like, why do you like these movies? And it's, it's for this reason. Like I like learning about a new personality or a new character where I'm like, I, I need to see like why you tick this way, like what makes you operate in this way. So watching it back, I was just like, taking it for what it's worth like this movie is supposed to be stressful it's supposed to not have anything positive about it um, there's not supposed to be a happy resolution it's literally about analyzing the psyche of a extremely degenerate ad addict gam you know addictive gambler personality type so it's like steven said it the the ending is supposed to be this way the first time I saw it where he gets shot in the face, I was just like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, this is how this movie ends. Um, but now the second time I've seen it, I do, I do appreciate it a little bit more. Um, I, I don't, again, I like, I can't take Adam's act, like st his accent to me, like I, something about his character. It's hard for me to like take seriously, but I cannot deny the fact that he was incredible in this movie. He was a great actor. The whole like behind the scenes watch stuff like that that's a little that's gonna gain a little bit of uh 
a little bit of recognition for me in that perspective. So while I didn't love the movie, it wasn't terrible and I, I appreciate it for what it's worth. Again, I'm not a big fan of it, but I'll level with you in the middle. I'll, I'll, I'll give this like a three, a three stars. Hmm. No problem. And I will say, um, I do agree with you that there's a suspension of disbelief. Um, but I do feel like this movie was done in a way that it is very, but it could be a true story. I can see people Googling. This is a true story because right. it, it, it kind of plays like this is very possible in reality that these events. And I look at it like this similar with no country for old men. I feel like if there was a sliding scale of most radical, radical good and radical bad, you know, red on one end, um, there's a sliding scale. You can go 10 on one side, 10 on the other side of hot bridge and chorus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like, it's like no country for old men. It was like, you were looking at the most psychopathic person killer that they could slide to that would yeah. be realistic. You know, like this is probably as far as you're going to slide to, you could get way more with like torture and stuff. I'm sure, uh, sliding a little bit more, but this is like sliding way over on that scale and even nocturnal animals, nocturnal animals, like you're, you're sliding way over on that scale of like, there is a lot of suspension of disbelief, but it very is very well possible. Could have happened somewhere in the timeline of reality, somewhere in time. And, and that is way, way over here. Radical, but it's, and it's just like that true crime, like interest. Like you said, it's like, you got, you want to figure out why this person is like that. You want to see, so where, where you want to see the behind the scenes. What, what you don't want to be there because you're never going to let someone like that into your life for more than 20 minutes before you realize this person is toxic as all c- can be. I'm going to get out of it. But to see behind that, I feel like this movie was slid all the way on the scale of, you know, radical gambler, degenerate piece of shit, making the worst decisions of the worst decisions of anyone in this kind of situation and what would happen in that realistically. And so I think the, with that, this movie did a phenomenal so the, job. Just to finish that thought, the, the part of him being a degenerate gambler that can never dig himself out of a hole and will just take money and use that money to make more bets, that part of it is completely believable to me. The only part that I felt like was completely on the other end of like fantasy um, or reality, I mean, is was it, it was the rock. That that was my only gripe with it. If it was if if you took the rock out of it and it's just like, oh, I found this super high end diamond, then then I would have been like more bought in with with the plot. But uh, Trent, let's hear let's hear that review. But I think the main thing the main thing you don't believe is that Kevin Garnett would be so infatuated with it. Correct. As much as as much as Howard was infatuated with it, but I think you needed that scene just, and they they did the best they could, and I think they did it brilliantly. But I could definitely see the flaws in it, especially for the first time uh, watching it, not knowing. But I do think that that was genuine, and I think that um, you needed that to drive the movie. It was just another stressful point that, and that was what Howard was looking for the whole time, up way up here. You kind of needed an be with him on that journey to see what he was looking for, have it kind of taken away from him. But I could see where people yeah. might be like, what the fuck is going on with this? You know, but there were so many things like Trent said, the door and the noises and all this extra stuff thrown in there. And like these random guys coming up to him on the street, just like it is coming from all angles in this movie. Trent, if, why don't you, if uh, we, why don't you kick if I have to bring this up, that, that the both of you are right about this freaking stone. <laughs> I I feel like the audience is with me on this. It's like it gets gotten brought up like four times. And you and yes, 
it is like a little universe they're making it seem to be and it's a little bit far-fetched it's almost like ridiculous but steven you're right in that it's used as like this thing from ethiopia they're really enthralled by it kevin garnett wants wants it it makes sense it, it's like his muse for playing better basketball so you're both you're both right on that point and uh, i just want to get that Bless you, Nick. In the past, because goodness gracious, we've already we've already worked that out, that part out. As far as what I think about the movie, his accent is annoying. I did enjoy that the movie is uncomfortable. Is I'm it glad in like Stephen a is way or like a like an annoying. It's annoying in a bridge way, way but like it, it is nice that he <laughs> does throw the accent in every now and then, just like a bridge, you know. And then it goes back to the chorus, which is his regular like Adam Sandler bridge. voice. It's annoying like a bad intro or a bad yeah, outro. Just but ruins still got movie. that good rhythm in the middle. <laughs> and um, I am very happy that Stephen's coming around to the uncomfortable movies. It only took what is this seventy the seventy third episode for him to do it. That's a good um, point. That's a good point. I uh, I've been trying to get him on it since episode thirteen or so, Nocturnal Animals. But um, I so I enjoy movies like this, Stephen. I wish you would pick movies like this more. These are more up my lane than the Disney movies. I will say um, because they make you I feel. Only got season one Disney movie. You play I've the greatest game ever played. Oh, I did choose that. That was hard. Well, Confirmed we uh, we all kind of collabed for that. And that and what was that? Um, all, what was the art of racing in the rain? On that pick, art of racing in the rain. That wasn't a Disney movie. Well, it felt like one. <laughs> it might as well have been. <laughs> okay. Um, I do love Disney movies. Disney I'm not guy. trying to knock that, but I, I I, have not personally chosen a Disney movie. We did collab on a Disney movie. <laughs> but, okay, uh, okay, okay. I, I digress. Um, I wish you'd pick more movies like this because these are up my lane. As I was saying with that point. This movie was, um, all in all, it was pretty good. I did like to see somebody else in somebody else's shoes like a Jewish um guy in new york trying to sell like you know stuff like this so so you guys have already belabored that i also think uh the nba portion was really cool about this it does get you excited about basketball and that's i knew you were gonna really be cool. that point and the gambling and the adam sandler loving basketball and the fact that they actually had a legit strong power forward top 10 power forward in the nba in this movie who did a great job as an actor i thought that was really cool and then they, what was weird is that they threw the weekend in. So I thought some of it was interesting. Some of the actors they, they had in here was good. Acting was very good. I thought Adam Sandler did a great job. Um, all in all, I will give this movie a, and I'm teetering. Because I don't love to watch it as much as you, Stephen, like over and over and over and over again, I only want to watch this like once and then forget about it entirely. And it's came out in 2019. It was too soon for me. So for that, I'm going to go a little lower. Uh, had I had it been like, you know, five, ten years, I might still give this movie like a four. But this is going to be a three, five for you, boy. <laughs> T. Millie Doll. All nice. okay. Doll. Very nice. Very nice. I will say, I will say, I, I do agree with that. And I thought you guys were, I thought you guys were both going to be super low on this movie. I, and the thing about it is, um, I, I don't think I'm going to choose too many of these movies. I, I don't even know of too many of these movies. This was just the only one that I could think of in that lane. And Nick inspired well, me last week with his pick. So I was cool. like, I was like, I, I think I would like to do that one. Or Con Air um, is Con another Air. kind of movie that's more that's stressful anxiety that I think I would, I would prefer to do that. But again, um, 
I do, I really don't have a lot of these kind of movies in my back pocket that are like this, which is why I do enjoy watching your guys' picks with them because it's different from what I what I normally yeah. even like Ex Machina when you chose that like it's stuff that I don't normally watch and I probably won't watch it again, but it is kind of cool to like watch something and kind of you know mm-hmm. get a different a different feel and a different vibe and I think we're taking a more appreciative more appreciation for what these movies are and what they're supposed to be. Yeah. And like, if you asked me what I felt on it my very first time watching it, I probably would have given like a three stars too, or maybe lower. But the more I watched it and the more I disconnected from it and just sort of appreciated it for what it was and realized it is just a downhill trajectory. That's what this movie is. And that's why it's cool and different and unique from other movies because there's no happy ending. It's, it's not happy the way through. And like, there is definitely a place in, in, culture for those kind of movies absolutely well boys you ready for that leak peak i can barely contain Time myself to leak. Time to all right leak. so i was i was struggling a little bit this week not because i didn't have enough material to pick from but i was really struggling with what i wanted to hit you guys with okay now <laughs> somebody teased it earlier in this in this ep in this app, in the episode, it's <laughs> gonna be a good one. If he's just gonna who, te- who teased it? Teased. Who didn't Steven? tease the movie, who? but teased the director. We've got Cohen. another Cohen Brothers banger. Ooh. We got Uh-oh. Fargo, Fargo, Ooh. North Dakota. Oh. Now, ben Affleck, did I mention that? This? I think I mentioned this. You didn't mention the movie, but somebody said Coen Brothers. It's not Ben Affleck. We got... Oh, I did mention the Coen Brothers. We got Steve Buscemi. Um, we've got... What was I her name? I have not seen this. Um, Steve Buscemi, Francis McDormand. This is a banger from the late 90s, a 96 movie. Make sure you watch okay. the 96 movie. But uh, it's, it's kind of up my alley. I, I wanted to get away from the dark crime drama... But it's a comedy too, so it's it's got a little calm, it's got a little okay. drum, and the accents are fucking hysterical. You're gonna want to talk like a North Dakotan for a fucking week after this movie. All right? I'm intrigued. <laughs> I am intrigued. So I like I'm turning. Also. I, I like turning you guys onto movie. movies that you hadn't seen. I know you hadn't seen this one. This one is. Uh, I, I love this movie. I know this I whole podcast really is Nick just trying to get me and Trent to watch new, watch new movies. movies. I I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm looking for some new movies that are good. So this this is perfect. Hell yeah. No, no problem, guys. Hypocritic Podcast. Follow us on the Instagram at Hypocritic Podcast. Or under, Hypocritic underscore podcast. That's right. Email Hypocritic Podcast at Gmail. Trent, sing us out. My baby takes the morning train and she works from nine to five and then another home again to find me waiting for him. <laughs> My baby. Hypocritic podcast. All right, boys. Good night. <laughs>